And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you uh, are enjoying the basketball season. We are in the midst of craziness, as it were, in Division Three basketball. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, hope you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. You can interact with us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We are on Instagram at um, as well, uh, at d3hoopsville on Instagram, um, which is always fun. Uh, we're, we're still getting used to Instagram, but we, we tried. So last show, I think we tried uh, sending out messages during the show to tell people when we were on. This time we're trying them before the show to tease what we have on. Uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, another thing I'm coming to realize is Hoopsville in the past, uh, I didn't have to spend the whole day getting ready for the show. I could do work throughout the week leading up to a show. I am now spending almost an entire day getting ready for each show, which is like any normal television producer would do, uh, but it's a little bit surreal for me. Um, so you know how to interact with us. Let's talk about the guests we're going to have on the show. We're going to have a mix of guests in the sense of of what they bring to the table. Start off with a couple of, of uh, teams who have had uh, kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde seasons. Both started off a, pretty rough in the first half and have come on strong in the second half. Uh, for the women in the Atlantic region, that is Marywood. Uh, lost 10 of their first 12 games, I believe. I may have had that one wrong. But in the second half of the season, uh, have won uh, 10 of their last 11, I believe, is the number I wrote down. We'll double-check all of that, obviously. Um they are tied for the conference lead in the CSAC, which is just incredible, um, and so on and so forth. So, you know, we'll talk to their head coach about what exactly is going on at Marywood and what can the Pacers do. Can they upend uh, Gwen and Mercy? Of course, Gwen and Mercy leads the conference. Uh, well, they're tied with Marywood in the conference lead. We'll see who ends up getting top billing in a week's time. Then we'll head out to Illinois, go to Greenville, who not only has come on strong in the second half, they're in a completely different offense that we've talked about a little bit. Um, we certainly have talked a lot about it on the on the post-up boards on d3boards.com, but talked quite a bit more about it um, tonight. Uh, basically went to the system, and it has changed the team completely around. You'll be surprised where the uh, support from that has come from and, and how that support has manifested itself. Furthermore... Um, it's probably one of the more enjoyable interviews I've had in a while. I love all my interviews, but uh, Coach uh, Dr. George uh, Barber uh, and I had a great chat in a pre-recorded interview earlier today. You'll you'll enjoy that one, I promise you. Uh, then we'll head uh, to the WBCA Center Court. We'll head up to St. Thomas, talk to Ruth Sin about her passion for women's basketball and her how her team is doing in a much more difficult MIAC race than people give it credits for. We'll talk to her again in the WBCA Center Court. Then we'll head. Now, we're scheduled to head out to the Northeast from there and talk to Rusty Egan, get a Northeast report, followed by a chat about women's basketball with Regis. However, we may move a guest um, later in the show to that spot. We were, were still figuring that out. Uh, my pre taped segments went longer than expected. I got to start learning to cut the time down. Uh, and as a result, we're well behind schedule tonight. Um, but. Uh, we, we will easily go two and a half hours, if not far longer tonight on the show. Um, anyway, so Rusty Egan from the Northeast will join us. He's the sports information director at WPI, one of the first regional reporters we ever had. 
We'll talk to Rusty about the Northeast on the men's side because following him, we will talk to Angela Santa Fe from uh, Regis Women's Basketball. They are 88 and 0 in their conference. It's a little ridiculous. 88 and 0 in the NECC. We'll talk to her about that. We'll talk to her about um, trying to get back to the NCAA tournament for the fourth consecutive year while trying to avoid Mount Clare State. We'll talk to her about all that and talk to her about her playing days at Southern Maine. And then we'll finish up, supposedly, with Colorado College's Andy, Part- Andy Party. That may change. Move it up earlier in the show. We'll keep you informed. We talked about the chaos on Thursday's show, especially after the regional rankings on the men's side. That chaos continued in the top 25 where, let's see, two or one, two, three teams lost two games and a whole mess more teams lost a game. John Carroll, the number three team in the country, came into the week undefeated. They go 0-2 on the week. Baldwin-Wallace beats them. And then Marietta beats them in a top-10 battle. Marietta now the top dog in the Great Lakes region. That is a game I actually debated about driving to from Baltimore, but about five, five-and-a-half-hour trip. But I decided it wasn't worth the round trip. What I Not the game wasn't, but just that kind of driving. Did not realize Worcester Wittenberg were playing at 7 o'clock that night, or I would have made the trip and headed up to Worcester to see that game and then come back this morning. Mistake on my part. In the meantime, though, I went down to Johns Hopkins and saw Franklin and Marshall lose to Johns Hopkins. Um, it was an eye-opening uh, game for me. It kind of answered the questions I've had about the diplomats watching them on video so much this year. Uh, Leela say they'll be coming out of my top 25. We have the information for the top 25 here. They'll be coming off my ballot this week, unfortunately. Um, I then ran up and saw the second half of Christopher Newport York. Not much of a game to talk about. Uh, York certainly fought in the second half, but it ended up being a 20-point spread, which it was at halftime. Christopher Newport is a scary team. Lots of good pieces to them uh, and certainly can uh, play at any tempo which is probably the scarier part for them. They can adjust if at all necessary. Um, Back to the men's top 25. St. Thomas lost this week as well. They lost to Augsburg by nine, uh, that game on the road. Elmers lost to North Central. That'll certainly make things a little bit more interesting than the CCIW race. Ohio Wesleyan, we mentioned earlier in the week, lost to Wabash. They at least rallied and beat Allegheny uh, Saturday by 21. Johnson and Wales, undefeated season. Uh, no more. Well, I shouldn't say that. Undefeated in the conference. Uh, they now have a loss in the GNAC. Albertus Magnus surprised them, 102-94. Got to admit, Albertus Magnus, who got thumped by 50-plus to Johnson and Wales earlier in the season. Nice comeback there in that one. Johnson and Wales still in control of that conference, but that extra loss probably takes uh, a lot of their pool C bubble away from them should they lose in the conference title game. We mentioned Franklin lost, Marshall lost to Johns Hopkins in the only game they played this week because of Ursinus. Uh, they cannot. They have not played that Ursinus game. They're scheduled to play it tomorrow. I don't know if they will or won't. Ursinus with a major illness on campus. Uh, the health committee has or uh, group, whatever, in the area uh, has basically kept Ursinus from even traveling off their campus. So I'm not sure when FNM is going to play this game, and as a result, they're going to have a lot of games squeezed in. Uh, Susquehanna lost to Scranton on Wednesday. We mentioned that, but came back and beat Drew by 26. Uh, North Central had a good week beating Carthage and Elmers. Wesleyan had a horrible week, lost two, lost to Bowden and Colby this weekend. 
Um, going from 18 and four to 18 and six. Penn State Baron, we mentioned, lost a Madai earlier in the week. At least they came back. Plattsburgh State got thumped by Oswego State, 90 to 74. Oswego State certainly playing better. The Lakers playing better now than they were at the beginning of the season when I thought they were a top 25 squad. Don't know how much that really shakes up the Suniac all that much, but we'll keep an eye on how Plattsburgh recovers from that. Mount Union lost two, lost to Marietta, and then lost to Heidelberg, and lost by 17. Mount Union will be out of my top 25 as well. They're now 15-7. and seven. Emory lost to NYU on Friday, but then came back to beat Brandeis today. NYU, in the meantime, beat Emory, as we mentioned, and then went and lost to Rochester today. NYU can't seem to string it together. Worcester lost to Hiram on Wednesday, but came back to beat Wittenberg. Aurora lost to Concordia. Uh, Stockton at least got back in the win cycle against Kane. East Texas Baptist lost to Texas Dallas. St. Vincent lost to Grove City on a buzzer beater. Uh, Lacrosse lost to Oshkosh. MIT lost their first game of the week to, MIT, to WPI, but came back to beat Farmingham State and Wheaton of Massachusetts to finish off the weekend. And Concordia lost to St. Mary's in the beginning of the week, beat Hamlin, and then lost to St. John's. So a lot of losses on the men's side. Quickly on the women's side, a little bit quieter. Rochester lost to Brandeis, though, on Friday, before then coming back to beat number 14, NYU. The race for the UAA title on the women's side is ridiculous. Um, Wash U at least came out of the weekend unscathed, though they had a scare today against Carnegie Mellon. Uh, NYU, in the meantime, lost both of their games to Emory and to Rochester. A rough week for the Violets. Uh, they lost by 7 to Emory on Friday, and they lost by 30 to Rochester today. Of course, those games were on the road. Stevens Point lost to Eau Claire. Capital lost to Otterbein on the weekend. Mary Washington earlier this week lost to Christopher Newport. Christopher Newport then had a battle with uh, with uh, Marymount, but able to win that one. I'm sorry, they played. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Christopher Newport had a battle with York and ended up holding on to win by nine. In the meantime, Mary Washington held Marymount to just 34 points, beating them 48-34. Uh, WPI, who was in the top 25, or at least getting votes, 0-2 on the week, losing to Babson and Wheaton to Mass. Congratulations to Wheaton, who's certainly coming on strong right now. St. Mary's lost to Bethel. Uh, Marymount, as we mentioned, lost to Mary Washington. Carnegie Mellon, as we mentioned, lost to Wash U. Rowan lost to Montclair State at the beginning of the week, but came back to get Rutgers-Newark on the weekend. Uh, Whitman lost to George Fox. No surprise there. Washington Jefferson lost to number one Thomas Moore and again wasn't close, 31 points. Moravian lost to Elizabethtown. That's certainly an interesting result. Moravian now 17-6. and six. And Superior lost earlier this week to St. Catherine, but came back to beat St. Scholastica. And Piedmont lost to Greensboro, the third of their games this week. So that's your, that's your losses. Lots of losses in the outside of category uh, there on the women's side, on the men's side, losses all over the place. Of course, uh, we'll have our second regional rankings this week. Um, not only will all those losses be considered uh, as of through today, new SOS numbers will come out as, as everybody plays more games. Furthermore, on top of all that, we'll get results versus regionally ranked opponents enter the equation. And so that will certainly make things just a little bit more interesting on the on the uh, ranking side, it'll certainly jumble some up along with all those losses. Um, and remember the the week one regional rankings. Once the week two ones are posted, week one no longer matters. Uh, it'll be a distant memory. Week two has a little bit more longevity to it. It will set up week three, which is the final public ones. But then once week three is published, week two is pretty much irrelevant. Uh, and then week three will obviously set up the selections. 
for the end of the year, but we'll get a much better barometer now that results versus regionally ranked opponents is in play. We'll have a much better idea of how the committee is thinking about things. Um, I know I've answered a lot of questions about strength of schedule, especially regarding teams like Leb- uh, Lancaster Bible. Um, there will be plenty more questions, but let's get at least this next set of regional rankings in out the door, get a look at them, understand what the committee is, is probably looking at uh, before we dive too far into it because it will change so much. Uh, and then obviously the third ones will be the ones that we really have to key on to understand who will be into the tournament and who may not be in the tournament. Um, obviously, there is a fourth set of regional rankings that, the, that they will do. Uh, we just aren't supposed to see them. We may glean that information, um, but that's the best I can tell you uh, at this point. And a reminder, two weeks from tonight, we will go on the air a little bit earlier at 6 o'clock Eastern time. We will try and get some interviews in on top of the fact that we'll talk to some of our regional reporters around the country. Uh, and then on top of that, we'll try and select our teams uh, for them, especially the men and the women. Probably won't bracket. It's hard to bracket on the air, um, but we'll try and at least pick the teams that are going to be in the tournament as a result. Again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, of course, on Instagram as well. Should mention the first uh, conference tournaments to get going will be the NESCAC. Of course, the only conference that won't get their conference tournament going will be the UAA. But back to the NESCAC, they have set the um, the tournament, as it were, because it actually starts this coming weekend. They'll get a week off and play Saturday. And then they will play uh, a week from Saturday in the semifinals. Um, right now, the number one seed on the men's side will be Trandy. Amherst will be two, Tufts three, Middlebury four, followed by Wesleyan five, Williams six, Bowden seven, Colby eight. So it'll be Trinity versus Colby, uh, Amherst versus Bowden, Tufts versus Williams, and Middlebury versus Wesleyan on Saturday in the quarterfinals. On the women's side of things, they have set their field as well. It's number one, Tufts, number two, Amherst, number three, Bowden, number four, Connecticut College, number five, Colby, number six, Williams, number seven, Bates, and number eight, Middlebury. Uh, So it'll be Tufts versus Middlebury, Amherst versus Bates, Bowden versus Williams, and Conn College versus Colby. Colby. Now we will go a little further into the NESCAC tournament coming up on Thursday as our hope. We'll try and dive into the uh, the teams and get an idea of who may come out of there um, with the AQ. Of course, remember last year on the on the women's on the men's side, seven seed Wesleyan ended up winning the conference title game. But we should point out too that uh, the tournament will go through Trinity and Tufts on the men and women's side. It'll go through their gyms ultimately next weekend. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get going with our interviews. We'll start with Marywood women in the GSAC. They have come on strong in 2016. They have forgotten about a rough start to 2015 because 2016 schedule looks completely different. That's actually the theme of the next two guests, also from Greenville men's basketball. But first, it will be Marywood. Uh, we'll talk to them coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll have more Hoopsville right after this. Something I discovered to myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you.
I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe student athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This is Danielle Donahue, Executive Director of the WBCA. And we are a proud, proud partner and very excited about all the future broadcasts. Here's Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, there's Instagram as well at D3Hoopsville. Forgot to mention in the first block, I want to thank Stan, the fan, uh, and those at the inside press box here in Baltimore for having me on their show today, their TV show, that is, pre-taped it earlier this week, got a chance to watch about three quarters of it myself because I had forgotten it was coming on uh, at the time it was. I thought it was coming on later in the morning. Um, it was fun to do, um, and I'm looking forward to joining them again in the future to talk Division Three basketball and Division Three sports in general uh, as well. But then again, Stan, the fan, thank you very much. When that video is posted, we will share it with you on Twitter and elsewhere. Uh, let's talk about that race in the Atlantic region. And of course, the Atlantic region, one of those regions we talk about here on Sunday evenings. And if you uh, check out the GSAC race or the CSAC race, uh, the Colonial States Athletic Conference, it's ridiculous because Gwen and Mercy's in a in a tie with Marywood. Both teams at thirteen and one overall. Marywood, of course, sixteen and seven, and Gwen and Mercy, 
19 and 4. Marywood, though, has come on strong, having won almost every game in the 2016 portion of their schedule. Cabrini being the lone exception to that. They've got two big games coming up, one against Summit and the other against Gwen and Mercy. So obviously a lot on the line, to say the least. So let's go to the Hoopsville Hotline. And joining us there is the women's coach for Marywood. It is Coach Machaco. Coach, welcome to welcome to Hoopsville. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I mean, seriously, talk about a tale of two different seasons. 2015, not the greatest of starts. Four wins over about 10 games. 2016, it's been outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we played a pretty tough non-conference schedule um, it, early on with Ludvall, Salisbury. Uh, we went to Florida, played two really tough teams in Iowa, Westland, and Adrian while we were out in Florida in a tournament and with a really young team that we have. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, I figured the early part of the season would go as, as it did. Well, Trying to get players to learn a system. And, yeah. And really, really buy into it. We 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 only returned four players that played significant minutes for us from last year's team. So. There's probably an idea of a rebuilding year for everybody, in some senses, when you lose that much talent. But we've heard a lot of that this season. A lot of the younger classmen have been able to step up this season for a number of teams and contribute. And, and seasons have been better off than a lot of people expected. Uh, granted, the beginning wasn't as smooth as you probably hoped, or maybe it was about what you expected. But the this 2016 part has been outstanding. What what has been the change? Is it that everybody is now comfortable, or has there been some other little keys here that have kind of just springboarded you right through 2016 here? Well, I, I think playing the tougher teams early on really helped us um, help the younger players learn what it takes to play at this level, and they started to buy into having to play a little bit more aggressively on the defensive end of the floor rebounding the basketball, taking care of the basketball. They, they learn the physicality of the college game. And, and they're eager and they're very energetic and they're excited and they want to win. And I think it's just a, a kind of flipped the switch and said this is what it's going to take. And they, they've really bought into, into playing a little bit more hard-nosed basketball in, in 2016. Of course, uh, Cabrini the last couple of years has been the, the, the top of this conference and everybody else has been kind of playing second fiddle to them. Them losing a lot from their team as well. And even Immaculata losing a lot has kind of opened the door. You and uh, Gwen and Mercy were kind of lurking behind them, uh, especially the last season. It's allowed you guys to walk through and, and, and be on top here and obviously have a major game coming up to finish the regular season. But first, you're going to have to play Summit. Uh, for anybody out there not familiar, I think that's the former Baptist Bible, if memory serves. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> how do you keep the, the players focused on Summit because obviously losing the summit will just make the Gwen and Mercy game irrelevant. Yeah, you have to focus uh, one game at a time, and that's that's been our our theme over the last last thirteen games is just taking it one game at a time, focusing in on each team and, and making sure we go out and execute our game plan each day. So we're we're focusing on summit right now. I, I know that the the game with Gwen will be a big game, but we've got we've got to stay focused on making sure that we get Wednesday as well. Yeah, certainly. You don't want to stub your toe, as it were, going in. Of course, you beat Summit seventy-two thirty. So how you know earlier in the season? So how hard is it to get a team to focus when they know what they've done in the past? I've, I've been a student athlete before. Your memory is, oh, geez, we're playing so and so. We killed them five nothing last time. We're good with this. And then, oh, we just lost. Yeah. How do you also break the habits, as it were? Well, I, I think it starts in practice, and you have to make sure that we go into practice every day for the next two days and challenge them. Uh, to get better in practice and make sure that we we set some goals 
for the game on Wednesday and, and, and make sure we come out to execute and, and reach those goals. Um, if, if we just go, in, go into it and just prepare for it like, like we did the first time around or knowing that we had beaten them, then we're not going to – but we're never going to accomplish anything. So we've got to make sure we really go out and challenge our kids to get better and get better the next two days and then get better on Wednesday and focus in on some goals for Wednesday. Of course, to help the, them stay. well, the other part of that too would be how do you, how do you keep them fresh when the grind of the season is really at its worst right now? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's at its worst for everybody. And I think that we, we, we stress that to our team that everybody's in the same situation. Yeah. Basketball is a really long season. Yeah. Uh, it, it spans over two semesters and, and, and everybody's in the same boat. So you really just have to make sure that they're, they're in school at, at the Division three level to make sure they're focused on their academics first, and then and then playing a sport is, is, is an added bonus for them. But focus in on your priorities, and those are the two things that you have to be focused in on right right now is your academics and, and your athletics, and making sure you get rest, and making sure that you're, you're focused 100 percent on both of those both of those things while you're in school. Another um, so, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just saying another key that you have here is for the last five games are at home, so you you beat Immaculate at home, you travel to Centenary beat them, then you beat Keystone at home, and now you got Summit and Gwen and Mercy to finish. So you have the nice ability of being able to be at home, not have to necessarily worry about travel, especially with the weather's dicey. It's not necessarily your schedule that's really getting screwed up. Uh, that's got to be a little bit comforting. Finally. It's, it, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we had a stand where, where we were down to Philly, I think, three out of three out of seven days yeah. uh, for, for three games. So we, we had a, a, a rough travel stretch. So this is a very... Uh, very much enjoyed uh, being at home for the next the, yesterday's game and then the next two. That'll be a nice break for us. And it'll help the, them with classes as well, not missing as much class time and being able to focus, focus in on the studies and, and get a little bit more rest being at home. Let's talk about this squad. You talk about the youth on it. You know, you look at the roster and there's, what, two seniors, three seniors that pop out, but the rest of the underclassmen certainly, um, you, you, it's hard to miss, to, to say the least. Um Where's the lead? I mean, obviously you have senior leaders, but when you have mm-hmm. that kind of kind of youth still on the team, where else is that leadership coming from? Well, we we have a terrific senior leader in Alexa Gershman. She is she she just she goes out and gives 110 percent every single day, whether it's practice or a game. She she does she does all the things that go unnoticed on a stat sheet. She'll step in front and take charges. She dives after loose balls, all, all the dirty work, which is really she leads by example and she's a vocal leader for us, and she has really helped. Um, show these young players how, how what it takes to play at this level and how to compete. And we've had some of the young players that started to buy into it and are starting to step up and and, and learn learn the, the. I preach the defensive end of the floor because I think that's the hardest working end of the floor and that takes a lot of a lot of discipline and a lot of determination. And um, so the younger players are starting to step up a little bit more, uh, not necessarily in a vocal leadership role, but but in terms of their work ethic. Um, we, we have a freshman right now that's doing done a lot of our scoring for us, but over the last couple of games has struggled, and we've had some other players that have stepped up to help her, which is which is a good sign for us down the stretch. Yeah, you talk about a freshman leading the way. That's pretty much the impressive part statistically. Gabriella uh, Giordano, 12 points a game, five rebounds a game. She shoots 37% from the floor, 32% from beyond the arc for a freshman. Pretty impressive to be able to come to the table with that. And then you've got a senior in Alexa Gershman, as you mentioned, 7.5 points, 6 rebounds. Um, not not a great outside shooter. I, I noticed that, uh, <laughs> but she shoots pretty well from inside the arc. 
Um, yeah, she'd be the first one to admit that. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured one for twelve. You know that it is. It's about my average, uh, pretty much. <laughs> um, but of course, I noticed the big thing that jumps out at me, and this is going to be a, a, a dichotomy because the next guest we're going to have on is on a, on the second highest scoring program in men's <laughs> basketball. You guys are a relatively low scoring team: sixty three points a game on offense, fifty six points a game on defense you preach that defense and that tends to lead to not much on the offensive side because you don't need to focus on it necessarily if you're if you're leading up i mean if you're doing your job defensively yeah we we, we do a great job of um, scouting and, and preparing our team to to play players tendencies and um that's that's always been all over the last 12 years always been my focus is if you could defend and you could rebound you could play in games with anybody and, and we're a very very small team uh we have one one player that's six foot and she might really be five eleven we list her at six foot um everybody else everybody else is about five five foot eight and below um our starting center is, is five foot eight if that so um we have to be able to 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 defend uh hands hands high on the defensive on the floor closeouts we work on it every single day for the majority of our practice um and, and then try to get some 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 baskets out of our defense uh to, to take the load off on the scoring end of the floor but Yes, defense and rebounding. I, I firmly believe if you could play that, you could you could compete with any team. For the last five seasons, you've been an ECAC tournament team, uh, missing out in 2013-14. Um, but this program hasn't been in the NCAA tournament since '87, and I think that's the only time they've been to the NCAA tournament. If if I have this right, that's you, right. <laughs> the fact you're in first place in this conference is a big deal because you guys can control your own destiny. You could have the team. You know, have the tournament come through your gym. You know, technically, be and get kind of an edge at getting that automatic bid. How huge would that opportunity be to get to the NCAA tournament for this program? Well, I think it'd be huge because we are so young. I, I think for for a, a young team to experience something like that, it, it just expectations change for the following year, and and they'll be they'll be so excited and so hungry that they they want to get back there. But again, back back to back to the present we're still trying to focus in one game at a time um we, we do we do know that, that that's that's in the back of our mind and that's always a goal of ours is 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 to win that conference championship but we're we're, we're not talking about that right now we're, we're focused in on one at a time um and and focusing in on really like you just said we control our own destiny yeah uh the great dichotomy of this show at this time of year is trying to you know, we're looking a little bit further ahead than coaches want to look ahead, and and we fully appreciate that. Uh, some coaches want to talk about it. Some want to focus on the next game. And obviously you do have Summit coming ahead, and obviously Gwyneth Mercy to finish it off. Almost a, a, an unofficial championship game could be in play next Saturday. Um, what's the buzz on campus like? Um, if noticeable I mean, at yeah, all. We, we, we're... we're <laughs> We, we, I was talking with a few coaches about this uh, at, at Marywood yesterday, and, and, and trying to encourage to get more students out to our games. And um, it, it, we're, we're fortunate in a sense that we have we have a lot of local players on our team, so we do get a lot of local community support. Um, there's there's a lot of teams on campus that have have contests the same day that we do, and our student athletes are very supportive of our other teams. So um, it, it's 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 getting better. It's just not not. Sure. nearly where we need it to be at this point. <laughs> sure. Well, and you're also up there at Scranton, whose programs are pretty good themselves uh, nearby, mm-hmm. and you've got plenty of other colleges up in that area. It is a, it's a busier college area up there in the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton area than people give it credit uh, mm-hmm. for. It. It's, it's a little crowded, as it were. Um, by the way, the other thing I meant to mention about the, the home field advantage, your home court advantage, is you know, you're kind of on the extreme for the CSAC in the sense of distance traveled. 
Um, you know, the, you guys are not necessarily center <laughs> of the no. conference. So everyone's desk, you know, coming to you is certainly a distinct advantage getting up into the mountains uh, to where you're located. So certainly that'll play in. Um, what's, uh, I guess the next thing is, so what is, what do you tell your team when you walk into the locker room tomorrow or you get onto the practice court? What's the message to this squad? Well, we have to get back to this. We took today off. Um, it's the first time we've taken a, a Sunday off in a while um, to give us some extra time to prepare this week. So we've got to get back to work, and then we'll get back to work first and foremost on the defensive end because we didn't we didn't play as well defensively yesterday that I thought we could have. Um, we did play a lot of people, so I think that kind of played into the mix a little bit. But the message is we're getting back to work today and 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 work on work on some fundamentals and get better to get prepared for Wednesday's game. Very good. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking time to join us here on the show. Good luck. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, with the last two games of the season and obviously with the conference tournament. We know you're going to be playing in the conference tournament. It's just a matter of where and who. Uh, we certainly wish you luck and look forward to seeing how you do the rest of this week. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time time to speak to us and, and talk Marywood basketball. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to join. It's a lot easier when the coaches are willing to come on the show to talk about the teams. <laughs> uh, good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Uh, Tara Machaco joining us here on the show. Again, the team has two team games left uh, versus Summit and versus Gwinnett Mercy. That last game, should everything stay in place with Gwinnett Mercy and Marywood tied atop the conference, will essentially be an unofficial conference championship game. It'll be the conference regular season title game. Whoever wins will have home court advantage for the CSAC tournament. Looking forward to seeing how that plays out. How, great to see the Pacers up there at the top of the conference. By the way, uh, we didn't really mention it, but you know they and Gwen and Mercy were lurking last year. Well, it's Cabrini and Newman who are two games back lurking uh, this year. We've got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to another team who's had a uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde season. Uh, Greenville men's basketball lost 10 of their first 11 and have come roaring back since then. I think I got that number right. It certainly feels like that. Excuse me. But they've changed everything. And what's amazing is what the advice was from their athletics director when they decided to go to the system. It might surprise you, and it's one of my more enjoyable interviews this year. We'll talk to Greenville's head coach coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and NBC studios. I want to thank Coach McCago um, for joining us on the show on the City of Salem Hotline. City of Salem hosting the Men's Basketball Championships. Of course, City of Salem has hosted those championships for 20 consecutive seasons, counting this year. This will be the 19th national title that they hand out in men's basketball. Get tickets online. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was afraid if I say something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. 
It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, from the WBCA NABC studios. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Appreciate you taking the time to tune in to us, whether it be live on Sunday evening here or you are joining us on the podcast. Don't forget you can interact with us on Hoopsville or via um, well social media, obviously, with uh, Twitter, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. And now we're on Instagram. Right now we basically send out our, our pictures of guests who are coming up, but obviously when we travel we'll use that a little bit more to show you where we are at especially when we get to the, uh, to the men's Final Four in Salem and the Women's Championship in Indianapolis. Follow us on Instagram, at D3Hoopsville. Of course, there's also the fundraising campaign. We haven't even raised half of our goal. We've only got two weeks left. We need a little bit of a kick in the, in the rear end with this. So please consider our, our fundraising campaign. Plenty of tweets out there. There's links on our websites. You name it, you can run into it. If you absolutely want information and cannot find it, please email us or contact us via our social media campaigns. All right, so the last segment, we talked Atlantic Region Marywood Women's Basketball, a program that has emerged, making a run for the top of the conference in the CSAC. Great story. Well, there's a bunch of those out there this season, and we talked about at the beginning of the show how we're going to touch on those. The other one is if we head a little bit into the middle of the country. Of course, in Division Three world, it's a little on the western side of the country. But if you go to the SLIAC, there is a heck of a race going on for the top spot. McMurray and Greenville are tied 11-5. and five. McMurray's having a 14-9 season, and Greenville's 12-11, and 11, but they have it's been a, a tale of two seasons, as it were. So we're going to go to the Skype presented by City of Salem, because joining us for the first time on Skype in his life, we believe, at least for us, Dr. George Barber, Greenville's head coach. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you for joining me on the, on the good old technology here as well. Um, listen, it, it literally has been a tale of two seasons for you guys. You are 12 and 11, but you're on top of the conference, uh, tied with McMurray at 11 and five, but it's literally be, it's the before January 6th and the after January 6th story with you guys. You have won, what is it? 10 of your last 11 games to position yourselves where you are right now. This is incredible. It is. I mean, I, you said 10 of 11. I, I've closed my eyes since about <laughs> January. I'm not, I'm not really it's like a, it's like a guy. It's like a guy in the seventh inning with a no hitter going. Yeah. You know, I mean, he Oops. goes to the dugout. Nobody talks to him. He sits in the corner. Nobody even looks at him. So yeah. we're kind of afraid to say, but um, it, it really it really has. And it's, it has everything to do with the style that we're playing this year. Well, it's interesting is, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I'm the broadcaster who always talks about the no-hitter late in the game, so this is how we're getting to this you point. Get it, right. uh, you do have two games remaining. Um, you've got uh, Iowa Wesleyan, and who's sitting uh, third in the conference right now, and you've got Eureka. Um, the, obviously, so big games here on the road against Iowa Wesleyan, and then home against Eureka, who's 8-8 eight and eight and 10-13. and 13. Similar situation as you, except just not doing as well in the conference. How do you keep this momentum going? I mean, these you you are tied with McMurray and head to head. You guys split this season, so right. we're you're looking at making sure you kind of shore up the tiebreakers, as it right. were. Well, absolutely, and it's it's interesting because we need Iowa Wesleyan to finish high, but at the same time, we need to beat them. Right. So that's a you know oxymoron. <laughs> but uh, and then Eureka's got two great players. It's senior night. We have high emotion. We'll start 
our seniors and, and, you know, that can, can go crazy a little bit on you. But, um, I think obviously, you know, what you just say to your team is just take it one, um, one game at a time and don't get too ahead of yourselves and focus on the process. You know, it's just all the things that, that you say as a coach that you, you don't want to neglect to say. And, and then, and with a fine tooth comb, I think the assistants and I just really need to plan good practices that are going to be meaningful, but not, you know, not not wear the kids out too much. So I mean, it's an emotional week. It's fun to be at the spot. I, I've it's a little foreign to me. I told my assistant last <laughs> night. I said, I, we haven't been at this spot where we know we're in, you know, the tournament. Now, now, what do we do? We'd like to host, and obviously, we just try to focus on the process. So. Uh, we talk. You, you talk about wanting Ohio Wesleyan to finish on t- or a high. They're in a four-way tie for third at nine and seven. You beat them. That can disrupt that. But you have a two and zero record against them. McMurray's got a one and one record. Mm-hmm. I haven't dove into the rest of those just yet. Yeah. Webster, Blackburn, and Westminster. Uh, Webster is a is a one and one also for Mac Murray, right. um, and I think for you guys it's a one and one as well. No, so, no. so oh, that, that's what are we, they owing two? Yes, yes. Oh, so this so gets complicated. Our nemesis, yes. Yeah. Uh, if Webster finishes higher than Iowa Wesleyan, uh, we would lose that tiebreaker. Um, and of course, you still have Blackburn and, and Westminster in the mix. Now, granted, right. Uh, right. you've split with those two. Uh, oh, let's see. We split with Westman, but we beat Blackburn twice. So, oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're, I mean, it is a jumble, right. jumble yes, you mess. Did. I mean, it's just, it's hard. <laughs> you can't even really make progress thinking about it until, you know, after Wednesday or after Saturday. Yeah. So it's going to be, it is going to be crazy to yeah. say the least. But nonetheless, you guys are sitting at the top here, even right. if you finish second or third. Right. It's an incredible point of view, considering last year you were 11 and 5, 10 and 8 the year before, 11 and 7 the year before that in the slack. And of course, we don't want to talk about 13 when it was 4 and 12. Right, right. So, you know, you've emerged into the top of this conference. You talk to those who follow the slack, they love your story. Oh. Um, but what has been the difference in the season? I mean, the beginning of the year, you guys lost 10 of 12, and now you've won 11 right. or 10 of 11. Right. No, yeah. We didn't add anybody at, 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 inter- at uh, semester. <laughs> no major transfers. It, it literally, I just I try to give you the quick history of it, but I had about 30 plus guys try out for the team. Wow. And I said, what am I going to do with these guys? And I really was, I was uh, distraught last year of having a lot of seniors that were great players, good guys, great character guys, but I couldn't play them because, you know, the, the typical eight man rotation. And I was searching, searching, searching. I'm an up-tempo, sort of a free spirit guy anyways. Yeah. And I said, you know, c- can I find a, a style that, that allows me to play more guys? I mean, I want, I want greater participation. I mean, that's what I was looking for. And uh, we settled on the system that, you know, uh, Gary Smith and, and Doug uh, Porter had written the book, The System. I read it this summer, late summer, and we decided – this is a way I can play 12 to 15 guys in a game, really increase participation. Top 10 are going to play the most. Uh, 11 through 15 will get you know in the game when the game is on the line. So we said, let's, uh, let's go visit these guys. Let's call these guys. Let me check with my AD so he doesn't fire me in the middle of the season if we go for this. <laughs> he said, okay, George, I like your idea of participation. When it's going bad in January, don't give up. Interesting. And those were like prophetic words in my head. Okay. Because uh, we didn't give up. We started to get it. 
We found the right combinations. I lost a senior point guard to an ACL against mm. Elmhurst, second game of the season. And I got two freshmen. And after we played Mac that first time, I said, look at guys, we're about to get this. And I got two freshmen running our point guard, which is such a critical position. So I think that that's when sort of the we begin to click. We were one and four in conference. And we said, I think we can do this. We got to get, we got to focus on the process, get these numbers, 100 shots a game, 53s, you know, force 32 turnovers, all those things. And they started doing it, you Mm. know. And sure enough, we, you know, we started having some success. So you you don't mention Arsenal up at at Grinnell, who obviously was part of that as well. I mean, how many coaches did you, though, reach out to? Did you reach out to Arsenal? You talked about Gary, who used to be at at Redlands. Who else? Right. right. So I got, I just got to give you a little bit of the backstory. Of course, I called Dave and I said, Dave, I think I want to do this. And he was, he was absolutely great. He said, George, I don't mean this in a condescending way, but I'm very proud of you for, for being willing to try this. I'm going to send you everything I have. And we're scheduled to play them next year. And I said, Dave, what what a lesson in sportsmanship for you to say, hey, let's schedule a game, but I'm going to send you everything I have on the system. And one of the things I mentioned in, in to my assistants is I don't want us to say that we're going to be Grinnell. I don't want that. I want us to be unique. I want us to be sure. different. But Dave has been wonderful. I visited when they played uh, Illinois College. He let me sit right behind the bench. He visited before and after the game. So I consider Dave uh, Arsenault, David, to be the pioneer here. I mean, the real grandfather of doing this. But at the same time, um, after I read the book, I called Gary Smith and I said, Gary, <laughs> I said, don't hang up on me. I'd already been up to visit Porter. Doug, Doug Porter, a great guy, just drove down to Olivet. He's at North Central now yeah. with the win, and, and Lawrence Stamatis. So I took my assistant coach. We went up and met with Doug for an afternoon and an evening, and we just went over everything. Um, and on the way home, I told my assistant, uh, Stephen, I said, uh, if, if I invite Gary Smith to come out and help us for a couple of days, <laughs> that is going to be the demarcation line that we cannot back out no, of. No, you're right. You know? yeah. So I called him, and I said, um, Gary, don't hang up on me, but I, I'd like for you to come out and help me just for a little bit just to help put this defense in. And he called me back in a couple of days and he said, George, I, th- I think I can come out, but why do you want me to come out? And I said, I just need to know how hard we have to play. And he said, okay, I'm coming, you know? Mm. And so he came out, he was great. He helped us put in the press, the defense. And my kids all along, they said, he's never going to do this. He's just, this is too crazy. When I announced it to my seniors, the blood drained from their faces. Um, but... <laughs> I mean, this is all very true. I could, I couldn't. And this is awesome. Another reason, another reason I did this. I lost three post players, two, two to transfer, one to graduation. And the one kid says, "I feel like I've been called by God to go to this other school." And I said, "Kinzer, didn't, didn't, isn't your girlfriend also transferring?" And he <laughs> said, "Yeah." I said, Kinzer, you're not being called by God. I think your girlfriend is the one. And, Depends uh, on how you determine who God is. Let's right, just... right. Well, it's like Bobby Knight said. Bobby Knight said, girlfriends are undefeated. So I knew. <laughs> I was not going to, you know. And so now I got all these guards and I have so many players. And so all that, you know, basically informed my decision to do it. And Gary stayed with us for, you know, basically a week. I took him fishing. He loves to fish. Oh, awesome. We went out on a square dance with the women's basketball team. He said, I have never <laughs> seen people do what you do here in the Midwest. This is crazy. 
So, um, uh, we, by the way, real quick, if anybody's curious, uh, Gary Smith got uh, kind of put first put the system in Division Three on the map at Redlands. Right. Arsenal is the one who's elevated it. Obviously, it dates back technically to Loyola Marymount days, right. way back. Right. Um, but yeah, the, I just wanted to give the Division Three history. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, and so um, we played our local prison in a scrimmage, and Gary said, <laughs> "You did what?" Well, we we have a scrimmage game against the prison. Wow. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, and I mean it's amazing. Of course, it's, all games are home games for them, but um, we, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And Gary was able to kind of watch that game and and gave uh. us feedback. And he said, "I really think George. I think if you stick with this, I don't know that you're going to get it this year, but I think you know you're doing the right things. Keep 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 going." So we put him on the plane the next morning, and and um, we just kept going with it. So. Uh, it's, it really has been an amazing ride. And we got to November, and it was not going well. Of course, I'd really scheduled us for some difficult non-conference games. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan and Elmers uh, to start with, Coach? Milliken? Well, I knew, but I knew I was on to something. When I talked to Baines, John Baines at, at, at uh, Elmhurst, we were in a tournament here. He here, hated you, didn't he? <laughs> and he said, I, after we played and we lost by 10 or 11, and I, and I said, next morning, I said, John, did you sleep okay? Mm -mm. And he said, uh, no. I slept terrible. I said, oh, no. I said, was your room bad? Was your bed bad? He said, no. He said, George, playing you was like watching a horror movie and then trying to fall asleep. So I thought, <laughs> this is good. This is good. <laughs> I mean, this piece is going to be different. And I, I'm worried about sportsmanship, Dave. I don't want Yeah, work. I know. Well. But but so far, because my I have these altruistic means of wanting to play a lot of players, which I do. I've been really – this participation. Um, and I think, too, the constraints of basketball, 40 minutes, 32 in high school, are – they're short. You know, and it's the the game is meant to be played with energy. I mean, if it was meant to be, you know, stall, I go to these high school games and it's like zone, zone, 31, 32, you know, that's the end of the score and um, at the end of the game. And I think, no, the, the, the rules of the game have the game on short time constraints. So yeah. it's got to be, you got to use your energy. Young people have energy. They, they're resilient. I want to release that. I don't want to stifle it. So um, that's why I like what we're doing. But. He's going to kill me for saying this, but I had a conversation with Ron Roan at Muhlenberg uh, Women's Basketball a number of years ago, and his reason he went to this system was the exact same reason yeah. you did. Now, the difference was at some point, year and a half, two years into it, he had the talent that he no longer needed to utilize it for that purpose, right. for the fun right. factor to keep everybody involved and right. high numbers. And obviously they've changed to a, a half-court system when they're one of the top teams in the country now. But uh, give Ron a call. and talk. Okay. You love Ron. He's very yeah. much like you. He's going to kill me for saying that. Oh, no, no, no. R-O-H-N Rose. Ron Ro uh, Rose. Why did I say that? Ron Roan. R-O-N-R-O-H-N. He's gonna kill me. I know he is. I'm gonna have to text him to warn him. But okay. Um, it, but but I love that. And I, yeah. you know, listen. We've had our druthers with Grinnell, okay. with certain things that they've done with that program, right. with with that 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 system. But the whole purpose is what you're doing is, is right. to just do something different. Listen, right. you're now won ten of eleven. It's rare to find a game you haven't scored a hundred points. In right. fact, I think it totals two. Right. Yeah. Maybe three. Yeah, two or three. I don't four, know. Th three? I, 
Yeah, I four. told you this too. I said I don't know if this means. Yeah, I'm at four, Coach. You only okay. had four games okay. this season. You didn't. You didn't score a hundred points. Well, I told the kids. I said I don't know if this is meaningful to you or not, but I just, I just want you to know that as a side benefit to what you're doing and the willingness, because this weeds out selfishness too right away. You can't be no. selfish because yeah. you have to come out every minute. You have to go in. You have to play super hard. You you know you can't um, slack at all. So, but I said the only team. And again, I, I, this is just a byproduct. We never knew that this was going to happen. But the only team that's scoring more than you, I tell, is is the Golden State Warriors. They're at one fifteen <laughs> a game. One we're at one fourteen. Yeah, that's true. Don't, they don't they don't really respond much to that. But maybe they also know, play more minutes. So that's an interesting fun. dichotomy. Right, they play forty eight minutes. We play forty. Um, I'm actually double checking. I wanted to double check the scoring outputs before I got to you. But I mean, you guys were the talk of the conf- uh, of of the region. At the beginning of the season, because you kind of threw this out there. Nobody knew you were coming into the... I mean, I'd hate to have been Illinois Wesleyan and Elmhurst, because they come into the opener of the season and go, wait, you're doing what? I I I mean, there's... How do you scout for that if you're you're Coach Rose and you're Coach Baines? Right. Baines may have gotten a hint. A little hint. But Ron could not have known what you were doing. I had my apology ready for Ron. I I, I knew I was going to go through the line and say, I'm sorry I did that, Ron. But he was, oh, he wanted to kill you, didn't he? No, he didn't. He he was great. You know, um, Hope fan said, no, you're not doing it. And I said, yeah. yeah. I know, Hope fan. Oh, but, he's but anyways, losing his mind. But anyways, he, Ron came. He said, George, this is all right. He said, stick with it. So again, I had I had positive feedback, you know, and then Baines, he said what he said. He said, George, here's how I practiced for it. I knew I only had a couple of days. He said, I turned the radio up. I just blasted the music. And made it as loud as possible and told the kids to play. It's going to be like that. <laughs> Matt Mitchell at Westminster said, George, I'm going to be honest with you. I had my kids. I had a control team, my team, and I had another team to play like your team. And he said, within five minutes of practice, everything looked the same. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, it is a different it's a I'm- unique think it's been fun. I quickly, go back to the Illinois Wesleyan game. At okay. what point did they realize what you guys were up to? At what point did but, you get a look down the sideline from Coach Rose? With with 19 minutes to go into in, in the first half, and I sent my next five in, because oh. when they were doing the jump ball, this kid was saying, I got this kid, I got this, yeah, kid, I got right. this kid, and I'm going, hmm, no, it you ain't going to matter, <laughs> because they're not going to be in there in one minute. So at the one minute mark, you've subbed five, and is that when you basically saw their jaws hit the floor? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, after I did it three or four times in a row, and even like last week, there was a whole group, a whole baseball team, you know, at Fonfon. They were great, and they were kind of teasing us and everything. But as the game unfolded and it went well for us, you know, they just stopped. They stopped saying stuff, and we didn't <laughs> turn say anything to them. We were just doing what we did. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's just, it's just. I think is. <sighs> If it doesn't work, it obviously is. Let's find a hole and just, you know, crawl. Listen, but if it works, it's kind of fun. From my point of view, preparing for that game is tough enough in a scouting because they'll they'll tell you, and we've had it said on this show before, it will, I think Coach Baines has said it, it will take games worth of time to break out of that system if you've prepared for it. Illinois Wesleyan didn't see it coming. I can only imagine what their players. Everybody was. That's awesome. Well, well let me so, point out. So scared to set a record. They scored 150, and we set a record yeah. for the opponent. So I told my kids, I said, when you drive by here from now on the rest of your life, you can look at that place and say, we have the record for the most points scored yeah. by an opponent. Well, 
Uh, by the way, you're outscoring everybody in the country 114 points on average. You're beating Grinnell, who's at 107. Lancaster Bible's behind you guys at 96.8. Um, normally, I talk about the team and who's leading and all that, but it's impossible to do that in this scenario because you're playing 20 kids. Um, but uh, I, I do want to just kind of talk. You're now the winningest coach at Greenville, uh, wins-wise, uh, at that program, you you have a, a storied history. You your background is Rick Patino, University of Kentucky. You've yeah. gone through some other uh, uh, other parts of that, including uh, Bradley University, yeah. where you were an assistant. So, I mean, has Rick called you and gone, "What are you doing?" No, 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 no. no he would he would approve. Uh, <laughs> I I do call him just very occasionally yeah. if I need something. He is great. He always answers my questions, helps me out. Uh, it lets us, you know, if we want, if we're practicing near Louisville, he'll let us practice at their facility. So he, he's just fantastic and he's always been great to me, but no, he hasn't said anything, but I know coach and he would smile and absolutely <laughs> give me two thumbs up of approval because he's an outside the box guy. He's yeah, well, he is. Guy. Yeah, you're right. So. He absolutely is. Hey, uh, let's talk about this. You're, you're, a cent you're the head of the Central Region, by the way, on the re Regional uh, Advisory Committee and thus yeah. on the National Committee, yeah. so you certainly know the region a little bit well. But let's talk about yourself here. You're positioning yourself to potentially have a, a host the tournament, if not at least maybe get a game in this, to try and get to your first ever NCAA tournament. Has that crossed every anybody's minds yet? This program has never been to the NCAA tournament. Right. Well, it it does cross our mind, but again, it, I go back to it's like a pitcher in the seventh inning with yeah. a no hitter. Nobody's looking at it. Nobody's going to say anything. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're excited, but we know it can go south sure. really quick. We know, and uh, we just have to focus on what you know what the process is. What are the what are the goals? What's this formula that we have to hit every game? And if that works, it works. And if it doesn't, I think. I told I told again my assistants in the meeting there that I said we're going to stick with this. We're not going to do a crazy defense or some sort of a zone or something that we get a little nervous. This is the dance that this is the guy who brought us to the dance and sure. this is the person we're going to dance with. So, um, but yes, it's exciting. I, I that would be beyond our wildest dreams because to be two and ten and one and four, one and five, yeah. in the and then turn around and have a chance to potentially host and maybe go to the national tournament would be uh, a you know a, a unbelievable blessing it'd be a miracle it'd be a minor miracle that's what uh, I'd say. it'd be pretty awesome uh, we mentioned you're the head of this of the central region certainly I, I can't let you go without uh, talking about that of course we're talking about a high octane run and gun offense now we're talking about a slow down iraq process it's a little bit you're you're deep in the deep in the mud here uh right. when you talk central region but how do you think everything's been going correct me if your first year correct or second year well, this is my this is my, actually my third i took someone's place and then they gave right. me another term so right. that's I, how i got it okay yeah but how, how do you think the process has been going so far well, I have a great rack, and they are just great. So I'll email them and say, "Let me give me your predictions, you know, on Monday night, and or give me your your rankings." And they will. And then uh, we have a great call on Tuesday morning. Um, you know, of course, of course, we look at the numbers and we um, carefully weigh out each team, and we do marvel at the at the strength that we have in the central yeah, division. Yeah, that's amazing. So, um, it's fun, but it's it's been real clear. I think we've all come to consensus on each vote, and and uh, we just think we're going to send a lot of teams. I told him, I said, don't. I said we got to be careful with the number eight team. Yeah, you're so right. Number eight team could be 
Oh, we lost coach there a little bit. He may come back on us. Be uh, on the board at the end. Lightly. Oh, okay. No, you're fine. You're fine. We just had a little bit of a breakup. You're basically saying, and, I, and I'll paraphrase for everybody, you got to watch out for that eight or nine team because they could be on the board. you got to put a good representative there. The Central right. Region and the women have seen teams come from off the rankings into the oh, NCAA wow. tournament. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Um, i got to let you go only because we've taken up so much of your time, and I don't want to do, do too much more of this, but um, all in all, uh, what's this central region look like to you? Is, is, is this going to be, uh, maybe a little bit of a pull your hair out scenario come selection Sunday with bracketing and all that? Or do you guys think you can, you can pull this together and put something nice together? Oh, no, I'm, I'm confident. I don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot. I am so confident in our leadership, Brian Van Haften, the committee, many of us have been together for a couple years already. So I think we're going to have a long day, 12 to 15 hours on Selection Sunday. There's no question it always is, uh, but it's, it, it is fun. Uh, we'll do our work, um, you know, ahead of time, and I think we'll come out with a, with a really nice tournament and good brackets. And I'm, I'm confident that it, it will be a, it'll be a good tournament, yeah. Uh, I have – I, I – um, <laughs> 12 to 15 hours. I, what I want to say is I'm glad we at least brought you into the Skype age. Yeah, right. I know. It's hard because uh, I'm at that age where I don't, I don't get don't ca- some yeah. of this modern technology. No. And, you know, but, but you got to as a committee member. I know. I know. Hey, well, well Coach. Yeah. Phone, so. Hey, yeah, Dave, that- real quick, too. You mentioned the, the winningest coach here at Greenville, and I'm so thankful. that I am really thankful for the players I've had, the assistants I've had my family, the administration here. And th- those are the reasons that anybody gets to accomplish anything like that. So I'm thankful for, the, for well, them. Congratulations on that. Congratulations on a fun season. Clearly we'll lo- look forward to watching uh, the Panthers the rest of the way. As always, though, Coach, I do give the final word to the guest. Any final words you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, that that was basically I, – I definitely wanted to get that in. Yeah. And it's a real treat to, to be able to be on the program, and I'm looking forward to uh, this spring in, in D3 basketball and see how it unfolds. Absolutely. And, hey, we'll see each other in Salem. We've got to have yep. a beer. After this conversation, you've leapfrogged into the top list of, the, of, my, of my favorite interviews. We're going to have to have a beer to talk about this more. This is just too much fun. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Dr. George Barber from Greenville joining us on the uh, Skype uh, line brought to you by the City of Salem. Of course, City of Salem, host of the Division Three Men's Championship Weekend. Their 20th championship weekend, their 19th national title will be handed out at the Salem Civic Center. If you want to go, buy your tickets today. More information, obviously, at the City of Salem. When we come back, we'll switch gears, head north from Greenville. We'll head up to uh, north and a little bit west. We'll head to Minnesota, talk to the St. Thomas women's basketball team in the WBCA Center Court. Ruth Sin joins us. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, It's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. 
and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, Facebook us, uh, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can join us on Instagram at D3Hoopsville. Even email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Of course, we use the hashtag Hoopsville, especially on Twitter, but you can use it on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, we've been uh, talking a lot about uh, some of the teams that have been um, surprises at this point in the season or have risen up to you know positions in, in different parts of the country that could, could make the NCAA tournament or are having tremendous seasons. Of course, there's one team we're going to talk to tonight uh, who's having a tremendous season, and pretty much we've gotten used to that, maybe. Maybe too used to it, as it were. Um, and so... That's, you know, it's a topic of conversation a lot this time of year. We talk to a lot of coaches who have programs who are once again perennially at the top of their conference. And, and the same goes true for our, our next segment. Of course, our next segment is the WBCA Center Court. I want to thank our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association for coming on board. And the Center Court gives us a chance to talk to a coach a little bit more in depth. Um, for our choice, we went out to the West region on the eastern side of the West region to St. Thomas. The Tommies women's basketball team, 20 and 3 overall, 14 and 2 in a tough Mayak race. A Mayak conference they went undefeated in last season on their way to a 30 and 1 campaign, which obviously didn't end the way they wanted to, but they are back and they are just as good. Um, but they are in a tougher conference than it's been in the last few years. That has progressively been the story. So we figured we we should talk to Ruth Sin about her team and see how she feels. So joining us on the City of Salem hotline is uh, Coach Ruth Sin. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville and, and welcome to the WBCA Center Court. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, appreciate you taking the time out of your Sunday. First and foremost, last year was an incredible season. Of course, un unceremoniously finished in the Elite Eight to the eventual champs, Thomas More. Of course, both of you went into that game undefeated. You had beaten Hope in the prior game. So, you know, not the way you guys wanted to finish, but at least you lost to the champs. I'm sure, though, that that game and, and the last season are still driving you this season. It is. You know how that is. Every every year you learn a little bit more, and you 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 get to be a little bit more experienced. Um, last season was a whole different team than we have this year. Yeah. Um, last season we had eight seniors on our roster, um, seven of them who contributed. So this season you've got all new fresh faces. Our first few games, everybody's like, I need the program. i got to figure out who these people are because we haven't seen them. We only returned one starter from that team and really only two players that got varsity minutes. And so this this group is new, they're fresh, but yet they have the same standards that you know we, we expect here at St. Thomas. Well, I was going to say the standards are high. The last time you didn't win at least 19 games was back in 2007 when you finished 15-11. and 11. You've won 19 or more games since, and honestly, you haven't lost or you haven't won uh, less than 24 games in the last five seasons uh, twenty and three at this mark, fourteen and two in conference. Obviously, the Mayak has gotten a lot tougher over the last few years. You're uh, a game up on St. Mary's. Gustavus Adolphus is in the mix. Concordia Moorhead is up there, and Bethel, who's also a good team, is struggling this season in conference at ten and six. Just a testament to how tough the Mayak is. Yeah, our conference is really very competitive from top to bottom. And I don't know if everybody always understood that because we used to play a 
full max schedule. Yeah. So that was 22 games. Yeah. Now we've gone to a, a round and a half, so we're at 18 games. So the fun thing has been we've been able to get out and play different teams and experience different styles and really show what the Maya can bring. Um, of course, with St. Mary's, you've been kind of nip and tuck with them the whole time. They're 19 and 4, 13 and 3, certainly having a good season. Talked to their coach a couple of weeks ago. Uh, as we mentioned, Gustavus Adolphus and Concordia Moorhead and then Bethel. Um, you've got two games left to go. You've got to tr- at least get to finish at home. You'll finish off against St. Olaf. And then a big game against St. Mary's, which certainly could still have a lot on the line when we get to that point in time. So it, you, it looks like you basically have games to keep your team focused a little bit here. Oh, there's no question. There's no question. Uh, St. Olaf is a fantastic team. Um, we had a very tight game down there probably about three weeks ago, and so they're going to give us everything we need um, and uh, could ask for. And then St. Mary's, obviously, it could be the conference title right on the line with that. And that's the neat thing I, I told our girls. I said, you want to be in this opportunity, you know, this position where you're playing good opponents that are going to bring their best shot and is going to help make you better because as you start moving into this point of the season, you know, you want to be making sure that those players are engaged, they're locked in, and they're really focused on possession basketball. And that's what February and March is all about is playing every possession to its fullest. Of course, you came off of a big game against Bethel yesterday where you beat them in overtime, 69-67. They used a 24-11 third quarter to jump back into the game and even take the lead into the fourth quarter. You guys needed outscoring by four to force overtime in that fourth. Um, you know, Both teams did you know shot about average. Um, nobody really shot tremendously well except for uh, Bethel. Outside the arc, they were 8 for 14. Um, but everybody, you know, you guys yeah, I shot. I think they were 56%. <laughs> yeah, 57%, which is ridiculous. Of course, you guys shot 13 to 23 from the free throw line. I'm quite sure you're going to have your team working on the uh, free throws just a little bit this week, are you not? That was completely uncharacteristic. I think we're about a 73% shooting team. So, But Bethel's got a great team. They've they've suffered some injuries in the beginning, and so things haven't gone exactly the way they wanted to. But, you know, they always bring their best with us, and it's such a great rivalry. We know that it's going to be a great game, you know, whatever, whatever happens. We talk about how much this conference has improved and gotten more difficult over the years. How much has it changed in your well, 11 seasons uh, in the conference? Well, I think what you see is just the consistency, you know, in the conference. Every, everybody's got players that are ready to step up and make plays. And then the coaches. The coaches do such a fantastic job preparing and developing a game plan or two. And so there's a lot of adjustment that goes through as we – as you go through the game. So it's not just your your initial game plan that comes in. It's the counter, and then you have to counter that. And, you know, we've been very blessed to have a great group of coaches in the Mayak, and, and you're seeing that, you know, in how they play. In the three losses you guys suffered this season, they came in a span of five games, starting on December 12th against St. Catherine in conference. Then Wheaton of Illinois beat you guys at uh, it, it. what was an absolutely insane weekend of basketball uh, mm-hmm. uh, in Iowa, Wheaton, Oshkosh, yourselves, and Wartburg. Wartburg comes out of it on, you know, the one undefeated, while the, the three other top ten teams all suffered at least one loss. Uh, you guys lost to Wheaton and then came back and gave Oshkosh their second loss that weekend. Then you beat Gustavus Adolphus and then lost to that Bethel team who you beat yesterday. What, how much did you guys learn in that five-game stretch against some really good opponents that's been helping yeah. you the rest of the way? 
That was a big time for us. Um, we had suffered an injury to our starting three-player who was putting up some great numbers, Gabby Deer, and it was kind of like we had to reconfigure our identity at that point, you know, and, you know, who's going to step up and how do we have to attack and how do we get shots for different people and things like that, and the girls responded real well. I think the last game, that Bethel game, was an eye-opener. It was kind of like, okay, we really need to take a look at ourselves and see what are the next steps that we have to do to improve. And I, I, I really give the girls a lot of credit because they they listened, they were coachable, and then they took the next step and they really, really continued to to to, to do the practice and to do the repetitions, and they've changed. They've changed their game. And so they've done a really good job since that point. You know how it is. You know, you can you can either learn from adversity and grow from it or, or, or it can take you and start separating you. And the girls chose to learn and grow from it, and it's really helped us become stronger. Uh, I have to admit that that Wartburg tournament, I think we've now talked to all four teams involved there. They all talk about how just how competitive that ended up being. You, you had to know you weren't necessarily going to get out of there unscathed. Oh, that was a fantastic tournament. I talked to Bob. I was just like, this is unreal. I love this. And, and you know what, that's, that's what we talk to our players about. And I think all of us as coaches is that we want our players to be excited about being challenged. And going down to that tournament, I, I told the girls, I said, this is so exciting that we get to have this opportunity. We're going to get our hands full, but we're going to know who we are, and we're going to be able to do it. So when we do run, uh, we're fine with that. We've been through that, you know, situation. We know how to handle it. We can trust our system. We can trust each other, and we can find a way to be successful. And I think that's what's really paid off with us. Let's talk about this team. Uh, you mentioned underclassmen pretty much. You do have a, a senior who's in the top three statistically. It's the only uh, senior that high in the statistics. But it starts with Caitlin Longer, the uh, junior, 16 and a half, plus, almost 17 points a game, eight, nine rebounds a game. Um, she also uh, hands out a few assists a game. Gabby, uh, is it Zerer? Zerer. She has uh, 13 and a half points a game, three rebounds a game, two and a half assists a game. Katie Stone, the senior, uh, 12 points a game roughly, uh, nearly three rebounds a game, two assists a game. Um, and then you also have Laura Fish, uh, Fisher, the sophomore, eight points a game and five rebounds a game. Now there's certainly more players to contribute, but that foursome is pretty much the ones that jumps out at you when you look at the overall stat sheet. And obviously for the team, that's your that's the big four. Correct, correct. And I mean, as I told the tournament here, but um, Caitlin has just done a fantastic job. Last year, she was kind of our backup post player. And, um, you know, she averaged about 11 minutes a game, but she was behind Maggie Wires, who was um, second team All-American. But what I give Caitlin credit to do is she accepted that role and she learned and she grew and she went against Maggie every day and she just got better and better. And so when it was finally her time, her time and her moment, she was ready. And if you watch her play, she's playing low. She's playing strong. She's just really commanding a great presence. And she's taking that next step. She's drawn double teams in our last few games. And now she's... Apologize. Take a, Go ahead. Oh, no. No, that's fine. No, and, and if you take a look at Katie Stone, she is just a tough competitor. She shoots the three, but she is just kind of the backbone of our team. And, you know, I really, really appreciate her leadership this year. With such a young group, you need your senior player like that. You're going to have a pretty good team. And then Lauren Fisher has just really stepped up for us. She's a stretch four for us. I think she's shooting close to 50% from the three-point arc. 
and it's really made a difference. As I said, when Gabby went down, we, you know, we were kind of a three-headed monster, and then we went to, you know, to okay, now we have we have two players that we can count on consistently, and Lauren has really been that third link. Not to mention, you know, we play a lot of kids, and they're really starting to step up. We have a couple freshmen that are really coming in, and they're making their, you know, making their presence felt, and so they're doing a great job. Uh, I'm talking to Ruth Sin here, uh, women's basketball coach for the number eight uh, ranked St. Thomas Tommies. Uh, yeah, sorry about mentioning Gabby there. Blew right past the fact she'd only played in nine games, so the the quad is really a trio. Um, I, clearly playing well. I mean, you've won what is it um, about twelve or thirteen in a row? I want to say, or off the top of my head, nine, ten in a row. Um, yeah, two more to go. Obviously, you want the games to come through your gym. Um, you want the arena to be the home, you know, home base for you the rest of the way. Win out and then get that accomplished. But how hard is that? How hard is that to do at this point in the season when obviously fatigue of just being in the grind can certainly play a factor. Well, one of the things is our depth. I mean, that's the nice thing is because, as you say, the season can get to be a grind, and it's physically more than anything, the pounding and, and, and the pace, whereas it's nice when we play, you know, many more players. We have, you know, a bigger pool of kids to, to deal with. So I, right now, they, you know, their bodies are feeling good. And, and mentally, you know as well as I, this is a fun time of the year. You know, we talked to the girls. I said, we have, you know, four games remaining. These are all like playoff games because everybody that we're playing mm-hmm. is in the playoff hunt. I said, so it's going to come down to possession and poise. And, you know, and as long as we can stay focused in the here and the now and, and, and as well as getting better every single time we come out, we're going to do fine. You know, that's, that's kind of the scary thing is that we have still so much potential for growth. And so if we can just keep focusing on, you know, what's right in front of us, you know, whether it be the next play, you know, we're going to do well. We're going to do well. The girls the girls are doing it. And, and, and you know as well as I, you get to this point of the season, you've got to have a trust um, between the members of the team, the five out there, you know, the coaching staff. There's got to be that foundation that, okay, because you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit with some type of adversity. And how are you going to respond? Are you going to stay together? And the girls have really done a great job. And, and yesterday was kind of a testimony to it because Bethel took the momentum on us in the third quarter heading into the fourth, but yet, you know, hunkered down and sunk into it. And we kind of found a way to make it to make it ours. And I was real proud of their, their poise down the stretch. Obviously a lot on the line to try and get back to the NCAA tournament, though you're, you're regionally ranked pretty well. Uh, not that there would be a major concern uh, over that, but certainly you want to make sure you get the job done sitting second in the region right now. Um, you gotta, but winning a conference title would be important uh, as well. Coach, uh, obviously part of the WBCA Center Court, though, is we also talk to coaches about what else they do, not only inside the actual game, but outside the game in some cases. And reading through your, your history with the game, I, I got the sense that you truly love women's basketball, and you really loved it for a long time at the high school ranks. Um, what is Obviously, you played at St. Thomas. You then went on to coach at high school. You then came back to St. Thomas, and now you're in your 11th season, been very successful across the board and anywhere you've been. But what is it about this sport that you love so much that it continues to have you give your all, as it were? Well, as you said, I'm, I'm just so fortunate I get to do um, – 
my passion and the passion is is teaching and coaching young young women and just helping them to see what they can become and that's the the greatest of the greatest win that you get from this game is just watching your players as i said last year we had eight seniors and you know we got to the banquet and yes we had a 30 and one season we it, but, but we didn't talk about the games and we didn't talk about the records. We just talked about the people and who they are and what they learned through their experience. And right now I'm so proud to to watch them go out in their professions and just be huge leaders in their community. And that's what's so enjoyable. And that's why I've been very blessed. We do county pride camps as well with young, young girls, um, fifth grade, sixth, seventh, and eighth, and ninth. And we don't just do basketball. We do character development where we have a word of the day. And one of our first words of the day is about competition and how they've got to embrace competition and healthy, good competition, me versus my best self, not me versus someone else. And we just really talk to them about really loving competition and how they can grow and they can be their best version of themselves. And I, I've been fortunate because, as you said, I've gotten to coach in the high school ranks. And, you know, this past um, few years, I've coached AU. I've coached my daughter's team. So I've been to North Carolina and South Carolina and Chicago, and I've even done the AU team. But, again, it's the same wherever you go. It's just helping them believe in themselves and take chances and take risks. And, as I said before, be courageous enough to – Take the challenge and know that they can succeed. And that's that's really the fun and, and the win of this whole game. Um, well, the high school, you certainly were very successful. You also were in charge of picking out basically the, the best girls player every year in Minnesota. Most of these really good high school uh, states like Minnesota, Indiana, uh, Wisconsin, Maine, you can go through the list, will have a Miss whatever, Miss Minnesota in this case. What did what was it like to to be on a committee that had to pick out that one player amongst a very large state of basketball players? Correct. I mean, Minnesota is just very um, blessed with so many dedicated, um, committed young girls. I mean, we've had such tremendous. Um, talent that has come through. I mean, Rachel Bannum is showing the whole world 60 points in one game yeah. um, what Minnesota produced um, athletes can do. And so it was, a, it was a great experience, and I wanted to get involved with that just to really be an advocate. And what we tried to do is make it you know, a, a, a celebration where they got to be involved in, you know, in more than just just the award, but just who they are as people. Because, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to get these leaders, you know, enough visibility to use this platform so other girls can say, I want to be like Rachel Bannum and I want to be like Lindsay Whalen. I mean, as I said, our state has been just so blessed with the people we have, but it's great for them because you know little girls they're like they have those aspirations of who they want to be like when they grow up and you want to give them those leaders as much as you can you you talk a lot about the leadership uh, through the game what is it what is it about the game that allows that leadership to take form well, you know, the neat thing about the game is you learn so much about how to bring people together, how to motivate, how to serve each other, and how to just really make a collective whole. And that's the neat thing about this game. Granted, that you know, basketball is why we come together, and it's we're going to be skills-based, and we're going to work on the skills and try to improve it. But 
the big win is the relationships and the people and how we kind of make each other better. And we constantly are talking to our team about serving leadership and, you know, what we can do to use that platform to, to make it a better experience. I mean, we just had alumni day probably about a week and a half ago, and it was so fun to see our young ladies coming back, hearing their stories, and just watching them and who they are right now. And that's that's the real fun enjoyable part of the whole this whole game you've been honored for your coaching prowess and even your playing prowess you were uh, the uh ducted, i should say yeah well you've been a coach of the year in in high school many times over you've been a mayak coach of the year many times over as well you've been in the running for the wbca coach of the year uh you've been inducted in the hall of fame for the minnesota state girls basketball coaches association you've also been inducted in st thomas's hall of fame what is it what does it mean to be honored for your work well, it just means that I'm pretty fortunate to have a lot of amazing people around me. First and foremost, it's, it's the people that I've gotten to coach. I mean, as I said, I mean, who can't enjoy doing what we're doing? I mean, the women that we coach, they're, they're academic, they're professional, they're, you know, they're achievers. You know, they, they, they want to excel. And then the assistant coaches I've had. I mean, I am so lucky to be where I'm at because of assistant coaches. It's staff right now, I've got Brian Silk, who is phenomenal. And he's just a teacher of the game. He's a fifth-grade teacher. But he, he looks for those little things that are going to give those girls the confidence to take that next step. And I've got Rick Canton and Richard Shields. So I'm just very fortunate to have such amazing coaches. I had, when I was in high school, Vince Conway, who's still one of my best friends. And I, I'm just very fortunate to have some amazing coaches that have supported me and, and helped me. And, and you know how it is. You know, we read, we read books all the time as, as, as coaches. You're not tough alone. You know, you're tough when you have people there together. And you need to be together when to be tough. So I'm just very fortunate and blessed for that. Well, and interesting enough, there's a lot of players who have uh, who played under you who are now in the coaching ranks as well. Certainly, I'm not going to expect you to name them all, but um, what's it mean to have that kind of legacy, as it were, to have that coaching tree out there where they are having their success as well? Well, it, it's so great to hear from them. I mean, you hear about their seasons. I've got Kelly Carruthers who is in Texas, in Arlington, Texas, at James Bowie High School. And she's done a phenomenal job. And her and I go back and forth, and we meet at least once a year hmm. when she comes back into the cities. And we talk X's and O's, but we, you know, we just talk about you know, how the game is and how, how motivating their players are. And then I've got Tanya England at Eau Claire, who, who is coach, head coach at Eau Claire. Yep. And it's just, I mean, it's just it's so great to share those experiences. Again, like, you, you know, when you go through seasons, you need that. And even my, my current players, it was so great last um, summer. Some of my players did a couple of traveling basketball teams, you know, some AU. And they're like, Coach, I can't believe they don't sprint to drills. They don't know how to bring energy. They just sit there, and it's like, yep. I remember a <laughs> you know? player like that. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so how are we going to change and make sure our practice environment is like that? All of a sudden, when they get on that side, they start seeing the real win with it all. So it's been it's been really enjoyable, and um, as as well, I feel pretty proud to 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 have them and their relationships, and to continue to foster it at a different level. 
Uh, Coach, appreciate you taking the time to join us as part of the WBCA Center Court. We do ask the same seven questions to all of our guests so we can kind of compare at a later time the different answers that we get. If you don't mind, love to ask you those seven questions. Okay. Uh, we may have gotten a sense of it already, but what's your favorite thing about coaching, especially at the Division Three level? I would say it would be the sense of empowerment I see in our young ladies, and I have to give it another, and the relationships that they form along the way. Wow, nice. What's your biggest pet peeve? Pet peeve. Um, I think sometimes people think that Division Three that they're that they're not as committed. And, and I, 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 I disagree so wholeheartedly. These young athletes, they put everything they are in. Nobody's making them do this. They do it for all the right reasons. They do it because they have – it's who they are. And when they play the game, it's, it's their heart. And so anybody who says that has never experienced the Division Division Three game with a Division Three atmosphere, they do it because it's an effort, a reflection of who they are. Uh, nicely said. Uh, the next two are going to be uh, kind of with a caveat that we've added a ton of rules this year, but what is your favorite rule or your favorite nuance of the game? Favorite rule is I do like advancing the ball. Okay. I do like advancing the ball and being able to be in a position, you know, where we can right away make the game exciting and interesting and we can have a last second play and we can get the ball into the front court. Okay, very nice. Uh, what rule, though, would you add, would you remove, or would you change? Any rule that would fit one of those categories? Rule that I would add. Well, you don't have to have one of each. So is there a rule that you would either add, is there a rule that you would remove, or a rule you would change? Something along those lines. It just just one. I, If I were to do it, I would like to have the men's game and the women's game mirror each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, we have no. a lot of problems with our table as it is. <laughs> and when there's two different rules going on, it's just chaos. I agree. So, I mean, if, if there was one thing I would like to see is the college men's and women's game to be on the same page. I agree with you entirely on that. Um, mm-hmm. Any pregame ritual or superstition? Pregame ritual. Um, we do a shoot-around. When we do a shoot-around, we have some pregame rituals in that we do certain shooting things like that. But... You know, a superstition, we keep talking to the girls about that it is opportunity and it's you to go out and make your own good luck, you know. And I, I'm sure the girls have superstitions, but I've coached enough to know that it's about, yeah, it's about the ball bouncing the right way at the right time, but it's about being in stance, being engaged, being locked in, and taking advantage of that opportunity. So um, I, I, I wouldn't be able to give you one with that. No, that makes sense. Uh, you've had your fa- you've had your fair share of uh, bus trips, even plane trips. What's your craziest travel experience? Um, craziest traveling experience would be um, we are driving over to Bethel uh, a couple of years ago and actually got rear-ended by you know by uh, a vehicle. <laughs> and of course, the vehicle um, hit us just at the point in that it turned down the heat. We had to get the players bus, and we had to wait for the – so we had to delay the game, which, you know, again, you'd think that we're a little bit more big time that these things wouldn't happen, but they do. (laughs) (laughs) No. The positive thing thing I give with the girls is obviously we had to delay the game, and and, but they came in and they focused, and, you know, you always talk about kind of compartmentalizing, Mm -hmm. be completely present where you're at and let things go. And the girls did a great job of just really being focused, and we got a win that night. Nice. So that's all that's important. 
how would your assistants describe you as a coach? Um, I would hope attention to detail. <laughs> Sometimes a little crazy. <laughs> Need balance, okay. obviously. And um, I would hope that they would they would think that I was very caring and um, player-centered first. Gotcha. Don't worry, we don't check with them. Uh, <laughs> and I lied, I can't do math. There's actually eight questions. The last one being, what do you tell her, I'm sorry, when you retire, because everybody retires, uh, what do you hope people remember you as a coach? I hope that they remember that I cared for the kids first and foremost, and that that was the most important thing, is who they are as people. Right. Uh, that the game was not the, the most important thing. Very good. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us here on the show. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, again, and I know it's very cliche because everyone says that, but you do such a phenomenal job, as I said before, is Division Three is such a different animal because these players and these young athletes, they put their heart into who they are. Nobody, I mean, their, their day is, you know, they're talking about, you know, paying Division One athletes because of because their schedule. Well, look at a Division Three athlete. They 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 go to class. You know, that they're going to be doctors, and and it, it's it's fantastic. And I really really appreciate all you do to promote Division Three basketball. And you don't know how much it means to all of us. I I daily check your websites, and and you are our prime source, and so we really do. And I want to give a shout-out to our guys, because our guys team is having a phenomenal season as well. And so John Tower and their staff, I I just want to continue them. It's fun when you're part of a staff, and I am so fortunate to be a part of St. Thomas' staff, because the coaches we have at St. Thomas are incredible, and I have learned so much from our softball coach and our football coach and our track coach. And our soccer coaches, and so just really want to thank St. Thomas. Well, thank you, Coach, and you're, you're exactly right. Certainly good things at St. Thomas all across the board, and it's great to see. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Good luck in the last two games of the regular season in the conference title game, and I'm sure we'll be talking about the Tommies in March as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Ruth Sin joining us here. Uh, in the WBCA Center Court on the City of Salem Hotline, of course, City of Salem, host of the Men's Championship um, weekend. Don't forget, you can get your tickets to those games. It's their 20th championship weekend and 19th national title in Salem on the men's side. On the women's side, of course, the marches to Indianapolis through Capitol, who will be hosting the championships. And you may just see the St. Thomas Tommies marching their way in that direction. Ruth Sin, once again, joining us. 20-3 and three overall, 14-2 and two in conference. Face-off against St. Olaf and St. Mary's last two home games before hopefully staying home for a few more in the conference tournament. When we come back, we'll jump from Minnesota to New England. We will get a report on the men's side of New England basketball with our good friend Rusty Egan, and we'll talk women's basketball with a coach who has certainly had her good playing days and says one of her favorite memories was playing with Ashley Marble, well, how can she channel that into her team now? Her team has won 88 conference, straight, uh, 88 conference games in a row. We'll talk to Regis Women's Basketball as well. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. For the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. 
suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. Hope you're enjoying the show. We've been saying that all season. Don't forget about us on social media. You can interact with us, ask us questions. You can do so on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Join us on Instagram now at D3Hoopsville. And did we mention the email address? Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We did. Uh, that's how you can interact with us, ask us questions, etc. Follow up with what we're doing. Obviously, two weeks from tonight, it'll be a monster show as we get ready to try and figure out who's in and who's out of the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments for 2016. Um, also, please don't forget about the uh, fundraising campaign. We have two weeks left in that. We haven't even raised half the money. Um, yeah, we really need the help, to be honest. Uh, we aim for a high goal so we can go do things like maybe travel to the West Coast to see games next season. We need your help to do that. All right, so the Northeast has kind of gotten a little bungled by us the last couple of shows. We accidentally forgot them last Sunday into the East region, and then we added them Thursday. But a lot going on in the Northeast that we want to focus a little bit more attention on there, only because there are so many teams and so many conferences. It's hard to hard to cover them like we do the rest of the region. Furthermore, um, some conference tournaments are, are actually going to get rip-roaring rip here uh, very soon, especially on the NESCAC. So we're going to do two things tonight. We're going to see this out of a couple of regions in the next few shows as well. We're going to do a regional report, and then we're going to talk to a coach as well. So we're going to start off with our regional report, go to one of the original regional reporters of Hoopsville, dating back all the way to 2001. And joining us on the Hoopsville hotline is the Sports Information Director for WPI and our good friend, Rusty Egan. Rusty, good, good to hear from you, buddy. Thanks, Dave. If you're going to come back to original, I would have rather had your former co-host, Jared, on, but I guess that's not going to happen today. <laughs> Jared, Jared uh, listens in from afar but doesn't necessarily participate. But nice reference, sir. Very well done. Yeah, very, uh, very tenuous uh, negotiations to keep them on. I mean, you know, <laughs> with your rather big salary, they just had to move money around. And, you know what? Yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't work out, right? Exactly. Uh, by the way, if anybody sees my lights blinking, I'm just starting to notice that they are going dead on the batteries. And we will have to change them in the next break. I'm not going to do it now. So if we... I've been called a drain, so that might get the... There you go. Well done. Sir, uh, I want to focus primarily on the men. Um, we will also not necessarily tap on the NESCAC. We'll talk about that at the end. There's a reason for it, but I want to talk about the men. Coming up, uh, for you listening in, we'll actually talk to Regis women's basketball coach, Angela Santa Fe's, um, and, and get the lowdown from her on the, on the women's side. But, Rusty, let's start on the men's side. And let's start with the conference that you are certainly the most familiar with. That would be the new MAC, where your school, your t- school WPI, has resided. WPI has been in the lead the last few weeks until recently. Uh, things have not gone necessarily WPI's way. Granted, have won the last two games, but it's Babson who has reemerged and is basically playing, from my point of view, the way we expected him to be playing all season. You know what? No doubt on that, Dave. And, you know, you really got to look inside their losses. They took uh, four uh, losses to NESCAC teams, played over four different overtimes at a double overtime loss to Amherst. Yeah. Lost to Bates, lost to Tuff, uh, lost to Bates, and then lost to Tufts in, in overtime. So, you know, all good teams in that conference. Two of them at the 
at or near the top of the regional rankings. And uh, it was only a matter of time where they started to find their stride, and they've done that. They came to WPI early in the season, uh, had, a, I think, a 16-point lead in the second half, and then uh, survived uh, getting overtime, won that game in overtime. Tripped up a little bit with a loss at um, at uh, at home against MIT about three weeks ago, and then have really righted themselves. They uh, they tried to cough up another lead at the end of uh, regulation in the first overtime against WPI last Saturday, held off, won in double overtime, and then uh, uh, survived the trip to Springfield, which is never easy in our conference, and uh, and won uh, by four in regulation. So uh, they still have to go to MIT this week. Uh, one win or one MIT loss prior to that would give Batson the number one seed. And I was talking to Stephen Brennan before our home game in January, and uh, they sort of had their watershed moment came um, last year, uh, maybe the first weekend in February, <clears throat> where they came to Harrington, and uh, whoever won that game was going to have the inside track to the, the the number one seed, and they were able to beat WPI. They, they became a six-point deficit with about six to go. And they really used that to uh, get number one seed in the new Mac, win that weekend. Then they got the number, uh, got the hosting opportunity first and second round. They survived, and they went and hosted uh, the sectionals where they beat, I think it was Bates and Trinity or or Johns Hopkins and they Trinity and got all the way to the yep. final four. So home court advantage in the tournament is going to be very important. Uh, probably another pair of regionally ranked teams will be in the tournament in MIT and OWPI, and it looks like those two teams probably are destined to play in the semifinals of that tournament two weeks from yesterday. It's only a five-team tournament. Uh, right now, Springfield and Emerson have the inside track. Emerson uh, host right now as they have swept Springfield. Both teams are five and seven. And, um, you know, the the four teams of Bats and MIT, WPI, and Springfield have really sort of owned this tournament the last four or five years playing in the semifinals. be interested to see if, a, if an outside team can make that. And, you know, Emerson's already beaten MIT. NWPI and swept Springfield, so they would be uh, they'd be a tough out if they're able to beat Springfield and get to the semifinals. Interesting enough, Babson lost four or five games in the middle of the season, basically encompassing the month of December, eleven uh, November twenty ninth to the end of December with those five games, uh, which kind of hurt them. Now they're streaking. It's WPI on the other hand who's lost three in a row, uh, dating to the turn into February, January thirtieth into February third or February sixth, including Babson. Uh, now they've won two in a row, but what's interesting, and we'll get a shakeup of this, uh, Babson's four, MIT, I mean, I'm sorry, WPI six, uh, MIT eight in the regional rankings. That will shift for a number of reasons. This conference, though, Rusty, in the past has gotten a lot of uh, of, of extra bids. I, I don't see that necessarily this year. I see maybe one extra bid. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? If, I mean, it could be two. Don't get me wrong. It could be two. Correct. But I, depends, it depends who wins the tournament. I would think yeah. Babson would be in this spot right now for an large bit of course mm-hmm. you know you know there's going to be a few NESCAC teams ahead of them and if it's not Amherst or Tufts they already got the head-to-head loss so if somebody comes out of nowhere and wins that tournament then they got to kind of sit and wait what's yeah. going to make an interesting case is WPI right now um, they have to play two more teams with an under 500 record at this moment their strength of schedule kind of spiked after the MIT game to about 530 we'll see mm-hmm. what it goes to after Coast Guard but they're going to be an interesting case because they already have five wins against regionally ranked opponents. They've beaten yeah. Tufts, they've beaten Eastern Connecticut, they swept MIT, and they got a win over Staten Island, the number two team in the Atlantic region. So that's a pretty high number. Yeah. So if you know if if they're that team, that could be a case uh, for a second bid. And then you also have to look at MIT right now. They're yeah. eighth in the region. They have that loss to WPI this week. Teams around them have already lost. 
but their strength of schedule is not fantastic, but they right. have the two regionally ranked wins. They've already beaten Tops and they've already beaten Bats, and not only regionally ranked wins, but regionally ranked uh, wins over AA teams yeah. in the upper half of their region. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised to see this a three-bid league, but I would think uh, it very well can be a two-bid league. Certainly. Uh, lots to cover. Um Thanks for talking about MIT. They're the team that's lurking in that conference. Let's shift over to the Commonwealth Coast Conference. This one's being controlled by Nichols. Talked to, talk to Tom Glynn on the last show. Eastern Nazarene's the one who came out hot, but they're now three games back along with Endicott and Wentworth. Obviously, this is going to be a one-big league. Nichols playing at 23, certainly playing well, but they could play themselves out of the tournament if they don't take, take care of business. they got to be very careful. Last year, they took a, uh, a UNE team in the 1-8 game. Ed Silva, who has been to... Some uh, yeah. second round of the NCA tournament wall at Elm. Great coach. He comes in and diagrams the length of the court pass, sort of Valparaiso style, and uh, left Nickel stunned. Now this team, this team can score, Dave. They've averaged yeah. 91 points uh, per game. They got a senior Irving Egglestein with 18.8. They got a freshman with 18 point, uh, one points per game, and they got a 12 game winning streak. And and as you mentioned, those are the three teams I was going to mention. Eastern Nazarene, who was actually undefeated until WPI beat them. January 2nd on a last-second three-pointer. Um, and then that sort of sent Ned into a tailspin. They've yeah. really kind of settled themselves. That's a senior-oriented team. They're worth keeping an eye on. I think Endicott won this league last year. And Wentworth is into the finals a few times the last few years. So, um, you know, Nichols is not going to have their uh, – is not going to have an easy road as, as, as this conference is historically very competitive when it gets to its tournament. It's not always the number one team that wins it and – you know, wouldn't that be funny if we would see a Nichols UNE first round game? But you know what? When you score 91 points a game, if you could keep it up in the postseason, you're going to be a tough team to beat. Um, they're probably they are a better team than they were last year. They're regionally ranked already, and uh, they would have to be the clear favorite going. Yeah, into they got a three game uh, lead. They've wrapped up the conference uh, hosting opportunity. Eastern Nazarene, by the way, settled from that tailspin eight and two in their last ten winning their last four. Let's go to the LEC, the Little East Conference. Eastern Connecticut uh, riding this ship by two games, surprisingly over Southern Maine, uh, who's yeah, eight and four in conference. Western Connecticut, seven and five, both of them 14 and nine. There's sort of two teams in there in the, in the, um, in the race there for a home court that we don't talk about very often. You yeah. mentioned Southern Maine, and they've, they've beaten a lot of those uh, NESCAC teams within Maine and, and, and have fared very well against the upper echelon non-conference teams in their state. Um, and for them to be second, you have to figure they're going to be ready to go come a tournament time. But there's five teams separated by two games for spots two through uh, two through six. The other team I speak of is Plymouth State. Yeah, they have an opportunity to host a game. They haven't done that in a while, so it would be very interesting. And uh, UMass Dartmouth, you always need to watch out. You know, Jordan Rendez is the premier offensive player in that league. When you have a player yeah. like that, um, <laughs> you always have a punch chance if you get in. End. And you know what? They have a chance for a home game, and uh, and that will help. But you know what? When you can score, when you have a player who can score 35 at any time, yeah. you're going to have a chance. Yeah, certainly going to be a fascinating race to see who gets into the tournament. And then Eastern Connecticut trying to hold on to get the automatic bid. Again, a, probably a one-bid league. Uh, though outside chance, Eastern Connecticut might be able to weasel their way into an at-large if they needed it. Let's go into the MESCAC. Uh, Massachusetts State Collegiate Athletic Conference, Salem State leading the way at nine and two, fifteen and nine overall. Though Worcester State and Fitchburg uh, State tied at seven and three, two games back. This is basically Salem State's to host. Um, really, obviously, no extra bid coming out of this one at all, considering the best team is fifteen and eight, uh, which is Worcester State. Um, this is bragging rights at this point, and Salem State's going to have to hold on because 
no one's playing well, but everybody in the last 10 at least has had a winning record in the top four. Well, let me give you one team that might be playing well. That might be the fourth seed as it started right now. That would be Bridgewater State. They beat Salem State on the road. Uh, Wednesday night, yeah. they beat, uh, Worcester State, I believe a buzzer beater, if not last second shot last night. So, uh, you know, that may give a fourth team. Joe Ferova's squad will always be competitive. Um, as you mentioned, if the tournament has to go through Salem, never an easy place to win. And I'd be very intrigued by a Worcester State-Fitchburg State semifinal. Uh, I saw Fitchburg and Harrington. I saw both teams first semester in Harrington Auditorium. Fitchburg came from 16 down to beat WPI, and Worcester State had a double-digit lead on WPI the uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. They're both good teams. You're right. This is a one-bid league, but it uh, should be a very competitive A tournament, especially if Bridgewater plays the way they did last week. You could see four teams uh, all have a chance to win this. Uh, jump over the New England Coll- uh, Collegiate Conference, the NECC. Southern Vermont is dominating this, 14-0 and overall in the conference, 20-3 and overall, period. Uh, Elms is sitting second at 10-3, and but they're 2-7 and out of conference at 12-10 and overall. I mean, that is it. Second place is 12-10, and but 10-3 and in conference. Southern Vermont's learned the hard way, especially last year. you got to go win this conference or you're not getting in. They already have three losses, obviously two of them coming to the Hoopsville Classic, one of them in a tough fashion. Um it's the, it's the redemption tour for Southern Vermont. It you know, really is. The returning, the, the returning player of the year in age, Sean Hamlet, returning rookie of the year in, uh, in Damon uh, Carter, and they found out last year nothing's guaranteed. Um, so, you know, they they are regionally ranked at this point. can't remember at what point if they did crack the regionally rank, uh, the regional rankings last year, but, you know, when you're 9, 10, 11 in that spot in New England, it's a long way to be sitting on the pool seat table. So they're going to have to find uh, a way to win their conference. They they will be the they will be the favorite, but you need to pay attention to the two and the three seat here. Elms and Becker, two good coaches. Uh, Brian Gorman at Becker, you know his team has won. His team's gone to New Jersey and won an NCAA tournament game before. Rob Southall at Elms. You mentioned the two and seven out of conference. Just take a little gander at that schedule. They play a very competitive schedule yes. to get them ready for their conference season. So, again, Vermont's the fire, uh, a clear favorite, but I would think Elms or Beck or Hubbard will win that game. Uh, will give them quite, I think it's the Mountaineers, the Mountaineers quite a challenge there in a championship setting. Uh, we should point out that um, Southern Vermont has four regional games, I think uh, regional opponents, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, three at the at the minimum, and that's certainly an improvement over the years past. Yeah. But I, I mean, go ahead. That, uh, that's the case for going to Hoopsville. Yeah. Helped you. Who they play? Did they play? Played Saint Salisbury Thomas? and St. Thomas. Yep. Salisbury okay. was a so, tough loss. St. Thomas was an expected loss, not in a bad way. I just mean that you know, yeah. if you were to if you were to look at that, you would figure St. Thomas. But they played them hard for the first half of that game. Um, so certainly an improvement there. So we'll see what happens with Southern Vermont, but obviously they got to win to get in. Uh, another conference that's going to have to win to get in is North, Atla- North Atlantic Conference. If you look at D3Hoops.com, we have Green Mountain leading the way at 14-2 and two in conference. But those games in conference are not counting towards the overall standings. We talked a little bit about that last week. Um, so this is really Hussens. Uh, they are in the lead in the conference at 13-3, and 17-6 and six overall. Green Mountain won't even take part in the conference. Uh, obviously, Husson wants to make sure these games go through Bangor because that is a distinct advantage for them. Yes, it is. Uh, Warren Caruso's team's always tough no matter where you play, but particularly at home in Bangor. Um, other teams that could challenge Colby Sawyer into some NCAA yeah. tournament. Castleton is always a tough out. So uh, not an easy uh, uh, an easy ride at all for Husson, but you'd have to consider them the favorite at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, Husson had a spectacular year at 20-8. and eight. 
uh, last season and 26-3 and the year before. So obviously they're trying to keep building off of that. GNAC, before uh, we get done with this, the great Northeast Atlantic Conference. Johnson and Wales took their first loss in conference to Albertus Magnus yesterday. Um, they had been dominating this conference, winning by about 30-some-odd points a game, which Albertus Magnus could never repeat, but they lost Albertus Magnus. Uh, however, well, they, to, they still have a game have lead. You, you have to tip your hat to Mitch Oliver and the, oh, yeah. and the, uh, and the Falcons there to, to suffer a 55-point yes. uh, defeat to a you know a team that had been waiting for you you know you've been on top of the mountain I don't know three four years yeah and uh, you know to get beat four weeks ago and come back and beat them by eight at home I mean this is a very offensive oriented league we we talked about yes. Nichols averaging ninety one points per game how's this Jonathan Wells ninety two Albertus Magnus eighty five point three LaSalle you know probably Aaron doesn't get enough credit this year eighty two point six points per game so there's there's a lot of offense in this in this conference all three can win championships. Johnson Wales has to be the favorite. Uh, but, you know, given the fact that Alberta's just beat them, they've been to championship games before, um, it, it now sets – it's a lot more interesting than it was uh, 36 hours ago, that's for sure. Yeah, Johnson and, uh, and if there's a team defensively, you know, maybe Anna Maria, a team that Sean Conrad led to that conference championship game two of the last four years, you know, right now looking at like a 4-5 matchup, um, you know, that's somebody who's going to play defense in the postseason – and we'll give somebody fifth. Yeah, absolutely. Johnson Wales, of course, again, one one bid league here, but Johnson Wales did themselves no favors in that category. They had had, you know, to pick up no, a second I, loss in conference, they had a chance, maybe. It would have been very interesting, you know, what do you do with a, if they if they go 24-1 in the regular season and get beat in the finals, that's a very interesting case. And, you know, as, as you and I have seen this process long enough, you're kind of dependent on the other teams in your region and how quickly they get off the board, but that'd be an interesting case style because yeah. You know, there's no doubt in New England that Johnson and Wales can play basketball. It's just yeah. with their strength of schedule, allow them in the tournament. Absolutely. Conference not doing them any favors. Um, let's quickly talk about the NESCAC. You just had a point you wanted to bring up. We're going to actually talk more in depth about the NESCAC on Thursday since their playoffs actually start this coming weekend and the first conference tournament to get going. So we'll talk a little more in depth on Thursday's show about them. But, Rusty, you had a point you wanted to make on No, I mean, side. I just think there's, there's a lot of teams that can win this tournament. But this is one tournament where you got to watch out for the eight seed. Uh, well, Wesleyan won as a seven seed. Yeah. Well, the Colby Mules, you know, they start five seniors, uh, you know, with captains Luke Westman and uh, Chris Upnut. And they, they, the one time that the, the NESCAC is at a disadvantage is they don't start practice until November 1st, and they don't play until that, that essentially the weekend before Thanksgiving. So their games are, with the, the way the calendar works this way, their games couldn't start for the first week. So they're playing teams that first weekend that have been practicing since October 15th and have been playing for eight days. They got a 30-point lead on Staten Island in the first half of the opening tournament, and they got beaten overtime or double overtime at Maine. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they survive that. They go, they win 10 in a row. They open up the new mat, uh, the uh, NESCAC weekend at, at uh, Tufts and Bates, have the flu go through the team. They end up 0-2. They got to go to Williams for a one-game weekend. The following weekend, both teams are 0-2. Williams can obviously play. They get beat, so they they rebounded from an 0-3 conference start. They're 18 and six. They had to sweep Wesleyan and Connecticut College, two good basketball teams. Wesleyan, the, the defending NESCAC tournament champions, uh, they sweep them this weekend. They're in the tournament now. Of course, what's their reward? They get to play number one seed, yeah. uh, Trinity, who's very good, went to the Elite Eight last year. Uh, but you know. Colby's an eight seed that definitely deserves uh, 
keeping an eye on here next Well, week. I mean, as, a, as an eight seed, they finished tied at seventh with Bowden. Uh, they were 16-8 and eight overall in the season. Bowden was 12-10. and 10. Bowden kind of uh, fell apart at the end of the season, unfortunately. Um, but regrouped at last, but regrouped that absolutely last Absolutely uh, regrouped at the end, uh, winning their last three in a row after going. Uh, they were 4-6 and six in the last 10, but winning their last three in a row. So they were 1-6 in, in the previous seven. So uh, certainly Bowden rallied. But Colby, you're right. I mean, this is a dangerous uh, um, NASCAR this year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of basketball teams there that can uh, that can win and then go in the NCAA tournament and win a game or two for sure. Uh, we weren't going to focus on women with you because we do we have actually a women's coach coming up, but but you are out of the New Mac, so I do want to get your opinions on the New Mac women's race. Babson's leading the way, uh, thirteen and one in the conference, eighteen and five overall. WPI is sitting there in second. Uh, Wheaton has kind of come on. They've won their last three. They're seven and three, sitting down there, including. Uh, some big wins over the top teams. Uh, this race, as always, Rusty, is coming down to the end. Yeah, Babson a little bit in the driver's seat as their magic number is one over WPI. They either beat Wheaton or Mount Holyoke at home, two teams that beat on the road. So it looks like a uh, real good chance that the uh, that the tournament uh, goes through Babson. It is a 17 format, so not only does the one team get the advantage of being at home, they don't have to play that Wednesday uh, quarterfinal game as well. And then after that, though, you have a lot of different teams that can do things. WPI, the two seed, they've already won 18 in a row. So winning three in a row is not, uh, is not out of the realm of possibility. MIT and Coast Guard are senior driven teams. Uh, Springfield and Wheaton have been in the, in the, in the tournament recently. And, uh, you know, even Smith, if they are the seven seed, which they have the inside track for, they won an NCAA tournament game two years ago. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of things at play. That could be a very wide-open tournament. But, you know, right right now you'd have to consider uh, Batson winning 13 out of 14 in the conference schedule to be the favorite. Yeah, Smith and uh, Emerson, by the way, tied there at 5-9 and nine for that last spot. The next two games obviously going to be pivotal. Yeah, uh, I, believe Smith, I believe Smith has swept Emerson, uh, so they would hold the tie record. Yeah, so obviously Emerson's hoping Smith drops one while they win both. Uh, Smith did beat Emerson in both appearances. Uh, Rusty, as always, I appreciate your reports. We, we should be doing this more often. We'll find a way to do it more often. Um, but as I would a, love that, Dave. Uh, but as so always... I, I think we always talk the... Uh, well, it used to be selection. Yeah. Uh, we, we used to be well, selection. still technically selection Sunday. We're, they're selecting we, the teams that night. That is... Well, maybe in the wee hours of the morning, Monday morning now. But yes, uh, you know, hopefully we can you touch base that weekend. Absolutely. And, uh, well, it's more clarity on who's going, and you know what? We'll be able to look at uh, who's on the bubble and always have an interesting take. Absolutely. As always, though, I give you the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those listening? I just wanted to say, you know, next two weeks will be the last game for a lot of uh, senior student-athletes, and uh, uh, thank you to all of them. Best of luck. Uh, you know, not everybody can be a college athlete, and, uh, and they've accomplished that. Unfortunately, not everybody gets to end with a win, and uh, best luck to everybody playing in the final game. Very good, sir. Well, thank you so much, uh, and uh, enjoy the last couple of weeks, will you? You too. We'll talk soon, Dave. Definitely. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Rusty Egan joining us out of the Northeast, of course, Sports Information Director at WPI, um, but he certainly knows his stuff up there in the New England area as well. Great race is coming down to it. As we mentioned, we will talk more about the NESCAC men and women on Thursday's show, and women's-wise, we will talk more about that coming up. Regis's women's basketball coach, Angela Santa Fe, will join us. Do you realize they've never lost a conference game in the NECC since they joined the conference in 2011? That's pretty impressive. We'll talk about that 88-0 mark. Plus, 
if they can uh, maybe make any damage in the NCAA tournament should they get there this year. That job isn't done either. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. I want to thank Rusty for joining us on the City of Salem Hotline. Of course, don't forget City of Salem, the host of the Final Four in Division Three men's basketball. Get your tickets today. More Hoops Hope right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. And welcome back to Hoops. We'll presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Hope uh, you're, you're enjoying this one. Obviously, with a couple weeks left, there's plenty to talk about. So you can interact with us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to interact with us and our guests, Should we, have, especially if we have them on live. Some of these are pre-taped tonight. Um, but uh, And then, obviously, in two weeks, we're going to be on with our selection show. Um, as Rusty in the previous segment indicated, we'll get a, a number of our regional guests on just to kind of give us a lay of the land of each conference of who won and, and what that might mean. Um, but on top of that, we'll also talk to some guests about who is in and out or maybe on the bubble. And of course, at the same time, we'll be trying to do what we think are the selections. Uh, worked out pretty well last year. We got 19 out of 19 on the men's side. On the women's side, we missed out on two. Considering they have two extra bids, I think that, that works out then. We, we, we were pretty good. So we've been talking Northeast Region women's ba- or men's basketball with Rusty Egan. Now we're shifting into some more women's basketball, and we're going to talk to a team who's been dominating their conference but has not exactly uh, been able to take advantage of it, unfortunately, uh, due probably to some circumstances they're not necessarily in control of. Nonetheless, uh, if you go to the NECC uh, conference right now, uh, leading the New England Collegiate Athletic Conference is Regis, and it's not even close. They're 16-0 in conference. They have a three-and-a-half game lead on Wheelock. They are 20-3 and overall, certainly marching their way to another NCAA tournament, but they're going to have to get it done in conference, and certainly they are aware of that. Also uh, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach from Regis, Angela Santa Fe. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville once again. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, I mean, let's talk about the season. 20-3 and three overall. The last loss, uh, unfortunately, uh, in uh, in non-conference play, in the middle of conference play on February 2nd <laughs> against Mass Dartmouth, and then previously to that, Bowden tripped you up at the beginning of January, and then the very mm-hmm. first game of the season, you lost to Bridgewater State. So at least the three games have been spread out. But something about the beginning of every month, or at least the beginning of the season, I would suggest staying away from. Um, uh, we'll talk more about how that might affect the NCAA tournament, but, um, how has the season gone from your point of view? I mean, you guys haven't, uh, had this good a season record wise ever. I mean, yeah, the last couple of years have been good, but not at just a three loss season. Yes. I mean, I'm happy where we're at right now. Um, obviously 20 and three, we just marked our 20th win on senior night and clinched hosting the tournament, which was our first goal, yeah. receiving a first-round bye. 
Um, so, you know, I try my best, obviously, to make our non-conference schedule as tough as possible. I think, um, you know, it works, it works in our favor sometimes. Um, other times, you know, not so much on paper, but even our loss at Bowdoin, um, we can kind of come back and learn a lot of lessons and grow from those experiences. Um, UMass Dartmouth, I tried to put a non-conference in our second semester just so <laughs> we can get back to work, and it really exposes some things that maybe we necessarily wouldn't have seen um, moving forward. So, um, you know, obviously being undefeated in the conference up until this point is something that we are excited about and um, I think we are five games away from breaking the regular season conference um, record which is something that wasn't a goal of ours and I think that was important for us. Um, it was the first year we sat down in our preseason goals and it wasn't one of the kids' goals to stay undefeated in the conference. And that relieved some pressure. We have a big target on our back. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I think, you know, that has really helped us sustain a level of excellence in the conference. Um, obviously, we still have two more regular season games left that um, will be important for us moving forward into the playoffs. Yeah, you'll take on Leslie at home coming up uh, middle of the week, which will be uh, actually on Tuesday, which will be senior night. And then obviously at Southern Vermont on Saturday to wrap things up before conference tournament action starts. Uh, as you mentioned, have the have the first round, uh, or I mean have hosting rights with this locked up. Um, you talk about conference wins. Uh, you have not lost a game in 88 games. You are 88-0 in the NECC. <laughs> What's even crazier than that is the last time you lost a conference game, you weren't even in the NECC. Uh, you were in the Triple C, and it was at the end, near the end of that season. So, you know, you can go back, and you're well over 90 conference you know, games in a row, regular season games in a row here with wins. Um, that does put a big target on your back. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, how? See, so the trick is the NECC, not exactly known as being a strong conference, but you do have a large target. So you have a combination here of teams who are gunning for you, while at the same time easily can overlook them. How do you balance making sure your team's ready every night? Right. Um, I think, you know, I truly believe that at any division, any conference, to win consistently takes a lot of toughness, focus, and fight to never be satisfied or become complacent. Um, it takes a lot of mental focus, especially in practice. Um, practice, obviously, for anybody in the nation, um, but for us, becomes really important. Um, with that being said, I mean, we've had three conference games this season that we've been down in the fourth quarter and we've come back to win, um, two of them being in the final minute. Um, that just so goes to show, like, my kids, they are fighters. They know how to win. They've shown resilience in doing so, even with that big target we carry on our backs. And that, I think, will hopefully continue into playoffs being tested is never a bad thing. And I think with this team, I mean, we graduated 2,000-point scorers last year. Yeah. There was really no high expectations. Um, we're young. I have six freshmen, five sophomores running around, and I'm proud of where we're at right now. Obviously, we're trying to push that peak to come at the right time. We don't want to peak yet. Um, we still have a couple weeks in this, but, you know, between the non-conference, 
Um, we've had a great non-conference couple wins here against St. Joe's of Maine, um, Western Connecticut State, you know, the LEC. <laughs> I feel like their standings change every single game. Yeah. Um, but very good team. So good comp between that and, you know, being tested in the conference has really helped us move forward and understand who we are and what we need to do. You talk about your, uh, your your team here, and you're right. I mean, you have three seniors listed on the roster, but only two have played this season. Um, mm-hmm. You're led by underclassmen, which has been a bit of a of a habit with this show. We've run into a bunch of 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 uh, teams that have had a few seniors who aren't necessarily the statistical leaders. Uh, you're mm-hmm. led by Amanda Hawksworth, at uh, a junior, 17 points a game, nine rebounds a game, two and a half assists a game. Um, mm-hmm. Brittany Stone, a sophomore, 14 points a game, nine point plus rebounds a game as well. Uh, Shannon mm-hmm. Hayes, nine points a game, uh, two and a half. I'm sorry, four and a half rebounds a game. Um, and then your assist leader is, uh, or your two of them are Alyssa Lamfer, the senior, three assists a game, and Michaela Murphy, four assists a game. She's a junior. Yeah. Both of them don't put up a ton of points, but they're giving up those points. Um, mm-hmm. it seems like a pretty well-rounded team. Yes. Um... You know, this is my third season as a head coach, and I think this year has really taught me, you know, with young teams, it's always that notion that you never know what you're going to get at any given day. And we definitely had our growing pains throughout the season. Um, It took a lot of work to, you know, get over that hump of youth. Um, (laughs) We have, I mean, six Four of my six freshmen were 1,000-point scorers in high school, so getting them to kind of conform to playing as a team, you know, all of the youth issues that go on. Um, but these kids, they've shown that they want it, and this year I've really learned that the buy-in is what's most important. And, you know, buying into the culture, the standards, the expectations have really gone above any youth that we've shown. I mean, especially for this team to have no expectations on on this year. We've been very resilient, and we have great leadership. We're young, but we have great leadership um, that has taken us to where we are at this point. Obviously, we're not satisfied yet, trying sure. to take a game at a time and go into playoffs, especially, you know, three conference games where we've been tested um, we're happy to have that first-round buy. It's been more important this year than sure. in past seasons. The conference getting better. There's some great coaches, new coaches that are building their programs and with better players. So we're happy where we're at. It's our first regional ranking yeah. in the history of our conference and the history of our program. And um, I'm happy it's with this team because they deserve it. Uh, that regional ranking, obviously we'll have a new one on Wednesday, but the regional ranking had you 10th out of 12 teams this past week. Um, Coach, what's scary for the rest of the NECC is you're a young team who's still undefeated in this darn conference. Uh, they all come back, essentially they all come back. You do lose mm-hmm. one key uh, in a senior, but everybody pretty much returning anyway to, to continue this stretch. But, you know, you know as full as, as well as anybody, you know, a few years ago, undefeated season, but lost in the conference title game, kept this team from making the NCAA tournament. And then the last mm-hmm. three years made the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about the opponent in a minute, but you couldn't get out <laughs> of the first round. You know, so you know that you can have a great season that can come to an abrupt end at the final game of the season without even really touching the postseason play that much. How 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 much are you driving home the fact that, you know, hey, we got a lot to still play for here? 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Dave, like that target gets bigger um, <laughs> with the playoff pressure that we have. Um, you know, an at-large bid isn't something that we can really depend on. Right. So it, it just adds that extra that extra key moving into playoffs, that extra pressure. It's something that we talk about. We don't ignore. Sure. Um, I was an, actually an assistant at Regis when we got upset in the semifinals right. against Daniel Webster, and we were undefeated that season. Um, so I think, you know, none of my kids on the team have had that experience, but it's something that we talk about a lot. It's something that I've learned a lot as a coach. Um, you can't ignore things. And, um, you know, I think the kids have a good understanding of that um, of that big target. We have a huge one. Yeah. Um, we, you know, even in playoffs, we, we play against, teams that have you know not not a lot to lose and everything to gain and we try our best you know it it's different in our non-conference like it switches we throw the target on our non-conference opponents backs and sure get to work so um but the kids do a good job of not ignoring the, the pressures but being able to handle them with toughness and composure and hopefully we can continue to do so of course, the last three years, you've, uh, for some strange reason, always been matched up with Montclair State. It's probably one of the r- biggest rarities we've ever seen in bracketing. Um, usually, if they've made that mistake a second year, which once in a blue moon will happen, they'll be like, oh, well, we're going to write a note down on that. Well, apparently, there was no <laughs> note left for next year because you played Montclair State three years in a row, all first-round games, unfortunately, all losses. How much does that drive you and some of this team as a memory point is kind of like, A, we're getting snubbed here. Let's be honest. <laughs> if they can't remember we played this team three or two consecutive years before this, and now we're playing them a third time, we're getting snubbed. And second of all, you know, we can't get past this game. we got to prove we can get past this game. Right. And, you know, ultimately, you know, depending on, depending on the fact that we get there this year, um, you know, we have to take care of business first, but yeah. the past three years obviously have stung with our sure. players. Um, we haven't had the happiest of selection shows. I can imagine. You know, trying to cover up scars. Um, but, you know, I think that it helped us grow. Again, we're young, and it helped our leaders grow into taking that sting on with us. I think... They have played non-conference games and tried to take everything in their control to do so and put this team in a position to, you know, hopefully win a championship again, one game at a time. But they took that into this year. And we do have, um, you know, one senior that is a significant player on our team. Um, The other two being very significant in their leadership roles and that has been huge for us um you know the ncaa tournament is the most unbelievable experience that you can receive as a player so that's that's our goal we don't you know we have to steer the kids away from from that fact that they're haunted by montclair state (laughs) but (laughs) Um, I think, in turn, it's made us tougher. It's made us resilient. It's built our leadership with a young team. And 
we have been able to do what we've done at this point in our season because of it. Um, it's interesting. You come from one heck of a pedigree in the, in the college ranks when you were a student athlete. Uh, you played at Southern Maine, so obviously under a pretty darn good coach, not to mention the fact you went to back-to-back Final Fours. It was your freshman and sophomore years. You were a year behind Ashley Marble on those Southern Maine teams. So you guys had mm-hmm. one heck of a run during your tenure there. Um, first, before I get to, to, to how that may affect what you do now, what was it like to play at that time? And you were playing with one of the top teams in the country for four straight years. Yeah, it was a it was a great run. Um, I feel like I'm aging myself trying to think back. Um, <laughs> You're not that old. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but you know, Southern Maine playing under an excellent coach, being surrounded by great teammates, um, has you know obviously have had great memories and milestones in my playing career. Um, I think the biggest thing that I translate into my coaching is <laughs> I learned from one of the worst losers. Um, he, <laughs> Gary Fifield has taught me, yeah. and I am a victim of being a very bad loser, and I credit that to him. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, when when I played in the LEC, we, uh, we dominated. Um, yeah the LEC and, um, you know, just having that player experience and understanding now why Gary Fifield did what he did to keep us on track. Um, it's interesting to be on the other side of it in his position and understand why the little things were so important to him, um, why he, he was hard on us at times. And, um, you know, being in a position as a coach to be dominating our conference at this point, it's, it's helped me a lot to understand the players and, um, you know, just being able to understand the NCAA tournament. And obviously we come in as, you know, we we have come in, in the past three years as underdogs in the NCAA tournament, whereas um, at Southern Maine, you know, we came in with that target on our back. But um, I've brought a lot from what Gary Fifield has taught me in his leadership as a coach into what I do now. Give me a sense of now now in hindsight what that team was like. Um, you know, obviously it's a memory for me too. But we remember the Ashley Marble putting on the volleyball. Uh, knee guards and diving on the floor. You guys had incredible guard play. You had great shooters. Um, you know, there was there was a combination there with that team that was pretty impressive. Unfortunately, never got what you guys really were craving, and that was a national championship. Mm-hmm. But what was that? What was that like as a team? Uh, I love passing the ball to Ashley Marble. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, really? But we, yeah. Um, you know. A lot of team chemistry. Um, we were on a mission, and I think the biggest thing that I remember was just a, like every single player from top to bottom hating to lose. Mm-hmm. And I felt, now looking back, that was something that Gary instilled in us. Um, we went into every game confident and 
absolutely hating to lose. And that was something that um, we just craved to win every single game and defend what we had, defending what we worked for, um, you know, making sure that we were in a position and we trusted each other, we trusted our coaching staff, and it led us to some excellent memories. Mm. You know, we didn't win that national championship against a great Hope team. Yeah. Um, but it's something that, you know, we, we're we still always connected, you know, um, we we still have that bond with each other. We still see each other. Um, it's something that that is some you know we'll remember for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So quickly, um, quickly, so, what did you mean by you loved passing to Ashley Marble? That's an interesting statement. <laughs> she scored a lot of points. For well, us, she did. So, yeah. So you got a lot of assists, is what you're trying to say? Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> no, we we had a great chemistry together. Um, you know. Um, we made it to two Final Fours, yeah. um, a Sweet 16. Um, she's obviously a phenomenal basketball player. She was a great teammate, um, but and a great leader as well. So, well, someone had to get her the ball, co- uh, Coach. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> someone had to get her the ball. I knew I was getting playing time if I was passing the Ashley Marble. So. <laughs> That's an easy way to do it, is it not? Yep. I think she's uh, off refing now. Is that what I last heard? I don't know. Um, yes, is she roughing? Um, I she was. Um, I believe she owns her own business up in Maine right now. Yeah, I think you're for... right too. Yeah, uh, she's uh, from my neck of the woods up in Maine too. So I've we I've known her for a little longer than I need to admit. Um, well, Coach, thanks so much. A quick question about that team though: How much can can you translate that experience to your current players? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I. Again, like take what Gary did, and I try to harp on that every day. Um, you know, just a lot of off the court work needs to be done, especially with a young team. Um, but more than just the young team, just consistently winning every game in conference, and then at the end taking this into playoffs and finishing business. Um, but that's definitely, you know, my playing career. Being the NCAA tournament, um, that for me is motivation to bring along these kids to one of the best experiences that you can receive as a basketball player in your career. Um, so it's motiva- motivating as a coach, um, and hopefully we can take one game at a time here and finish business. And But the first step in this was receiving that host spot and that first round by. So we're we're happy where we're at. Um, it's just a matter of taking one game at a time. Awesome. Well, good luck. Uh, hopefully you won't Thank see you. Montclair State, uh, even though I'm sure you and Coach Harvey are best of friends now. Um, yes, we know each other very well. I, I figured you don't even need to scout at this point. Um, I know all the good restaurants around I was, the I was going to say, you probably know, yeah, you know Montclair, New Jersey pretty darn well. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Um, nope, just thank you to you and thank you to Hoopsville for everything that you guys do for um, women's basketball and in the bigger picture, Division Three basketball. I appreciate it a lot, and I know as coaches we all do. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. We'll be keeping an eye on the Reg- on the Regis team, and uh, uh, hopefully, you won't, like we said, you won't see Montclair in the tournament. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wait until that Sunday in two weeks. 
Take Thank care, you Coach. Thank you very much. Coach uh, Angela Santa Fe joining us on the City of Salem Hotline. Don't forget City of Salem host of the Men's Division Three Final Four Championships. Of course, get your tickets today. They will be hosting their 20th Final Four and 19th National Title Game in a row. Regis, in the meantime, 20-3 overall, 16-0 and in conference, trying to keep an 88-game winning streak in conference alive. They got a game against Leslie and then a game at Southern Vermont to finish off the regular season before starting NECC play, which will have to go through the Regis Athletic Facility there in Weston, Massachusetts. Got to take another break. When we come back, I'm not really sure where we're going. So follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com if you really want to find out what's next. You can also follow us on Facebook where we have the whole schedule, facebook.com slash Hoopsville or on Instagram, D3Hoopsville is on Instagram. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We are well into overtime. That we I don't even think we should call it overtime. We should have just said we were going to be on for at least two and a half hours today and then just, just lied through our teeth. Uh, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're now on Instagram at D3Hoopsville. I mean, please, you have plenty of options take advantage of them and interact with us. Obviously, in two weeks, we'll be talking about who's in the tournament, who possibly is in the tournament, and who's possibly out of the tournament as we talk about the NCAA tournament selections, which will be two... I mean, in two weeks, the season's over um, for the regular season, and then we talk about postseason action. And so uh, I know there's a lot of questions out there. Second round of regional rankings will be coming out on uh, Wednesday. Uh, And so if you have those questions, we got about a half hour left here on the show. Send them our way. We'll try and get them answered. We're not done with our guests, though. We've got one more guest to go to. Timing's everything. Apparently, I wasn't the greatest of timers when I uh, reached out to this guest, forgetting they were going to be on the road for a brutal trip. I really feel bad going to Texas and all, but they still were on the road. But the show going long helped them out. They got back into town. Of course, they were able to join us. Not the greatest of weekend they were hoping for, but they get an extra week here to lick their wounds, as it were, uh, and see if maybe they can rally themselves to get ready for the SCAC tournament. Colorado College, 15 and 10 overall. 10 and 4 in SCAC play after going into the weekend 10 and 2 and hoping to kind of control their own destiny. Isn't the case. Coach Partee is listening to me say all that now. He's probably ready to reach through the computer monitor on the Skype uh, City, of Salem, uh, City of Salem Skype line. But nonetheless, he joins us here on Hoopsville. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you taking the time. Listen, you guys have had, it seems to be a theme today, uh, talked about teams who had rough starts to the season and then came on hot. You certainly had a rough start to the season. You guys lost four of your first, yeah, I'm sorry, worse than that, five of your first seven, uh, six of your first ten. Before then, things kind of woke back up. You got into SCAC play and you started rolling through this conference, but 
clearly uh, Coach Cunningham at Trinity and those at Shriner decided to give you an unceremonious finish to the year with two losses. But let's talk about kind of this yo-yo season, as it were. Tough start to the year. Was that expected? Was that a surprise? You know, it was expected in a way that we knew we were challenging ourselves with a tough schedule. Um, obviously, uh, Whitworth is a team that we've faced in the past, and it's uh, good to play against in-region opponents that uh, yeah. uh, are at their level. Um, we played them uh, two years ago, back-to-back weekends, and this year we kind of had a couple weeks in between. Uh, but it's nice to challenge ourselves. Uh, we had Whitewater come into town, um, and, of course, every once in a while we'll play a Division two here in, uh, in the state. Uh, but uh, uh, that being said, um, three of our four uh, home losses were against uh, – well, actually, I think all four of them were against uh, tough opponents, 1D2 and uh, nationally ranked opponents. So we expected it would be a challenge, uh, which we wanted, so we could play at that level once we got into SCAC. Um, two and five was not the desired start, <laughs> uh, but I think after the Christmas break – um, and I give this the credit to my assistant coaches and the players. Uh, we found a recipe uh, of success and, and basically just ran with it. Um, at one point, I think we had won 11 of, of 10 uh, with a seven-game win streak in there somewhere. Um, so we were pleased with the results of the early schedule having prepared us. Um, yeah. So uh, that's what you always want when you challenge yourselves. You, you want to get the W, but uh, there is lessons to be learned even in the losses. Sure. Well, you know, that started after the, the holiday. You, know, you guys had that break after playing George Fox on the road. You came home, had the holiday, got back on things, and then played three straight games, beating Concordia, Texas, Dominican, and Whitewater. Um, were those games actually at home? They were at home. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, that's certainly a nice way to kind of get back off the schneid, as it were. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always give kudos to my assistant coach for scheduling. We had seven straight home <laughs> games in that stretch. So uh, it helped uh, being at home, not having to deal with travel, which uh, anytime we play at our level, we have to get on a plane and go east or west. Yeah. Well, it's a shame. Uh, the frequent fire miles add up quick. Um, but then you do get, I mean, a big win over Whitewater. Granted, the team that's down this year, but just psychologically, I'm assuming, that's a kind of win that can certainly help you guys. Yeah, we actually lost the Whitewater game. Um, you did? It, it, yeah. Yeah, it, ignore it, me, Coach. Ignore me. It's that's been a okay. long day. It being the third game uh, in a row, um, I think we were a little spent having played uh, uh, back-to-back at uh, George Fox against uh, Whitworth and uh, George Fox. We weren't quite accustomed to three straight games. So, sure. uh, uh, But um, it was nice to pick up the two before that and uh, establish that confidence having gone two and five. Um, after that, you got on a roll. Uh, interesting enough, had to play Centenary back to back. Was that basically just because of the way the schedule is set up uh, with with travel and all, or was or am I looking at a glitch in our system here? No, it was uh, it was by design. A year okay. ago, we were uh, paired up as travel partners, and um, uh, Centenary is a program that uh, doesn't necessarily have the resources in both their teams. Yeah, on the road for a single travel partner game, and so we agreed that. Last year, Colorado College men would go to Centenary and play those two travel partner games. And then this year, they would return the favor and uh, flip-flop the women's program. So mm. that is the reason why we're going into a bye week where everyone else in the conference is playing their <laughs> travel partner this weekend. Yeah, uh, I can understand the, the scenario there. Do I, Not that it's a big deal for you, but do you ever worry about the ramifications of that single game of an SOS scenario? I mean, it's not a big enough game to make that big a difference, but is that ever is that kind of thing ever pop into your head? 
No, not really. I mean, I think yeah. when you look at scheduling, you can argue so many different sides of it. Yeah. Uh, there's positives, there's negatives, there's yeah. benefits, there's drawbacks. Um, that's the nature of the beast. Well, and yeah, I mean, you then rolled through the, uh, yeah, it's like I said, minor game. Rolled through there, Texas Lutheran then tripped you up on back-to-back weekends when you did the swap, the UAA swap, I call it, where you play right. one set of teams and, you, and then you swap them back the other. Uh, got back up and, and won three straight. And then Pat Cunningham, like I said, unceremoniously beat you guys on uh, on a Friday and then Shriner returned the favor on Saturday. But uh, you were telling me prior, you guys are, you know, a little worn out, a little banged up, a little bit, you know, it's just timing sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, as you know, it's, just, it's that time of year. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a marathon of a season, and uh, bodies start to break down. Uh, and what we found this, this past week were, you know, immune systems broke down. So we left a uh, senior contributor behind on that road trip, uh, six, seven, stretch four man. Hmm. Uh, so, and he was sorely missed. Um, and we had a starting point guard after Trinity's game, um, self-selected, uh, wisely self-selected <laughs> to... Uh, not do any more damage by playing in the Shriner game. And, you know, that game really, win or lose, wouldn't have hurt us. Uh, It would have only helped us. So, um, you know, and we had a sophomore contributor, big man, who was concussed in Friday's game. So, um, you know, it's that time of year. Um, But uh, like you said, the positives of going into the next couple of weeks uh, with two weeks prepared for conference tournament is that uh, we get to lick our wounds. Yeah, well, they say the hits just keep on coming. Uh, Yes, it would have helped you, but Texas Lutheran haven't beaten you twice end up in a tie with them for first, it's going their way anyway. Not that that matters, because the tournament is already predetermined. You were telling me, you going to Centenary? Where are you going again? Yep, we're going to Centenary. Um, So we fly down uh, to the Shreveport area, and um, uh, fortunate for us, uh, we clinched that second seed, at least the second seed, two weekends ago. Yeah. uh, By winning back-to-back at home, and... uh, you know, we get the first round by. So uh, this weekend's games at Trinity and Shriner would have been gravy. Um, we would have been playing for a possible share uh, of first place. But um, number two was locked up a week ago. Yeah, so obviously uh, kind of in the catbird seat in some scenario. Obviously, Texas Lutheran's leading this conference, 19-5 and overall, 11-2 and in conference. Uh, they've been the team that's been in the top 25, uh, certainly been getting plenty of attention themselves. Uh, you have lost to them twice. But I get this feeling that they're vulnerable. I get this feeling this SCAC tournament's going to be wide open. I, I think you're correct. Um, I think all season long we've seen that uh, there's some parity in, in the conference. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing even more so that it's really a game of matchups. Some teams match up better uh, than they do against others, against some. And uh, uh, we, uh, we, we're we trying to solve the riddle of TLU, but we know that others can trip them up. So um, it's just a matter of us being the best we can be when it's our time to get on the court. Uh, for the most part, it's probably a one-bid conference. Uh, Texas Lutheran may be having an outside chance of getting it at large should they not win it here. So obviously, you know what you have to do to to get on. Is your team, should you, and we'll get to to the ramifications of the break here, but your team, should you be rested up and be okay, have a legitimate chance to, to win this conference and get into the NCAA tournament? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that the way we played, um, after the Christmas break, uh, kind of showed us uh, the team that we could be um, early on, and I think our confidence really soared. Uh, we're a deep team. We're a balanced team. Um, we don't really have anyone who's a contender for player of the year simply because our starting five, any given night, one of those five could drop 20. Hmm. You know, So we have, we have about four or five guys that are averaging just over double digits or under double digits. Yeah. Um, and so for us, it's a game of matchups, and uh, – 
any one of those five guys will have a matchup that's to our, our benefit. I, personally, I'd love it if you made the NCAA tournament, but because I, I think you guys making it opens up and so many options for the committee. Because you're going to have to fly somewhere. There's, you're not. Even if Nebraska Wesleyan was was eligible, and they technically are, they're still outside of 500 miles from you guys. You open up a plethora of options, and you're comfortable with those options. It, it would be fun. Yeah. So no pressure, Coach. I'm not expecting a lot, but in two weeks, I'd love to be talking about the Tigers in the tournament. I'm just saying. I don't feel the pressure, but I'm expecting a lot. <laughs> yeah, thanks. They're well, well done. Um, so, but this week is weird. You do have the break. Was there any talk of going? Hey, listen, maybe we should play those those back to back travel partner games actually on this week versus that last week. This is a tough week to take that week off. Yeah, it it is. Um, and like I said earlier, you can argue that scenario a yeah. couple of different ways when you have injuries uh your trainers love you when you have the bye week because True. they don't have to tell you to make sure that this guy has a day off this week um it kind of just falls into place but um i don't think it will hurt us um i think it gives us a little bit more time to prepare um you know uh, unfortunately we have a couple of games from this past weekend that we can really look at and find out where we need to tighten things up and yeah. um i expect that uh practices over the next week and a half are going to feature a lot of breakdown drills and and just going over a lot of scheming you know so that helps us obviously you're going to have to get ready for what three games uh, or is it two because you got you got number two you get the buy so number two so you got to get at least it's only two games you're going to have to get prepared for uh in back-to-back fashion um but you talk about the injuries you talk about concussions you talk about just you know overall uh you know body uh, mm-hmm. being ill, getting a break. So the timing is perfect there. Just have you, did you ever cross your mind going, huh? I wonder if there's a team I can just grab. I know where you're located. Don't get me wrong. Air Force is clearly not going to play you again. Uh, but is there any, did you think about trying to throw a game in this scenario at all? You know, we, um, we were fortunate to have the opportunity to play a little bit of a JV schedule this year. Um, it was possible that the uh, JV, JV game could have fallen in that week. Um, uh, as it were, there was a JV game last Wednesday before we got on the road. And basically we played the, uh, the younger guys, the freshmen on our, on our roster that don't get a lot of minutes. And yeah. some guys who hadn't played every game up until this point were eligible to play as well. So they were substitutes for <laughs> our freshmen. And, uh, it was valuable. Um, so I, I guess in a way you can say we did get another game in. It's just not the bye week. Um, you know, so but I like it. It gives us a chance to really focus on ourselves. Um, you know, if you throw another game in there, you can talk about the time it takes to prepare for that team and the emotion and the possible mm-hmm. injuries that come from it. Um, but that's any game. Um, I would rather focus on us at this point and not have to play another game. Sure. Um, I'm pretty sure that within the a 90-minute, two-hour practice, we could find time to scrimmage ourselves. Uh, we have 16 guys on the roster, so uh, uh, I think we can make it pretty competitive. Um, looking at your roster, I'm actually pretty impressed about where the selection of teams you get, uh, or guys, I mean, mm-hmm. you get. Uh, Missouri, Connecticut, California, which isn't too big a surprise, I think, in my mind. Ohio, Wisconsin, Texas. Uh, which probably isn't a big surprise because you're obviously traveling through that state. New Mexico, not overly surprised. Florida, uh, Virginia. I- I'm going to ask a, a double-ended, is this is because you are in a beautiful part of the country that helps? The, of course, the sarcastic uh, answer is it's got some 
some some benefits that some parts of the country don't have, but they're frowned upon and poor the NCAA. But, I mean, seriously, beautiful part of the country, or is there something else going on, especially what the school offers academically, that, that attracts such a wide variety of players? Uh, I think it's all of the above. Basically, it's um, a unique identity. Uh, Colorado College has the block plan. Um, I think it's location as well. Uh, hold uh, on, back up. What's the block plan? Well, the block plan is uh, not your traditional semesters. It's taking one class at a time for three and a half weeks. And so oh, I would have uh, loved that. For almost, for almost a month, our, uh, our student athletes get to focus on one class and really master that subject matter before they move on. In fact, last weekend, we were on a block break. Hmm. So it was nice that we got to conclude the block on Wednesday and travel out to Texas early Thursday morning instead of after classes Thursday evening. Sure. Uh, but it allows our athletes to really uh, be good at both academics and athletics, and there's very little tug of war there, as you would imagine with the traditional semester. Like I had <laughs> five classes in my senior year, first yeah. semester, and I'm pulling my hair out when I had it uh, <laughs> when exam week hit. You know, so. Uh, uh, the block is unique. Um, I think it's a uh, uh, it's it's innovative. Students are attracted to it, um, and then our location as well. Sure. Um, and we have to cast a wide net to begin with, uh, just because of the rigor and um, the academic standards to get admitted. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I love the block plan. I wish I had that when I was in school. I think I would have succeeded a little bit better with that. So do I. <laughs> um, uh, but outside of that, obviously, beautiful part of the country. I've been I've been in Colorado quite a bit. Uh, spent a good chunk of my uh, young life there, uh, between high school and college, and and gorgeous part of the country. So it certainly helps you out there. But you're isolated, and and, and that's yep. not even an understatement. And I know we've talked about that before. Uh, yes. How hard is it to convince a guy to come and play for you, and then turn around and say, "Oh, by the way, we're going to spend quite a bit of time on the road." Uh, it's actually not that difficult, really. Um, when you compare um, our uh, region, uh, our demographics to other schools, our peer schools, uh, let's just go to the West Coast. Uh, a lot of those kids are busted up and down the uh, state of California or up in the Northwest. And we get to say, hey, you get to fly different places. Yeah, true. Uh, uh, going by air, I think, is a little bit more attractive than by bus, uh, where you have to stop and stretch a few times. Fair point. Um, you know, and so... Uh, and honestly, a lot of the kids that we um, we recruit, their families may have spent some time in Colorado going on ski trips. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's an area that their parents, even as um, college age uh, young adults, may have had some time and grew fond of. And so it's a it's a nice draw. You are a senior laden team with what? No juniors. No juniors. Uh, so you have five seniors, and then you're going to take a, a gap, as it were, until you hit that sophomore freshman class, um, which is an interesting uh, dichotomy in itself. Uh, you are led on the team by Andrew Maddock, I believe. No, I'm yep. sorry. It's actually uh, James Lonergan at 12.5 points a game, and, and then Maddock at 12 points a game. Uh, 10.5 points from John Hatch, uh, 11 points out of Eric Hoshka. Um so you you know great great set set up there with four guys who can put in points. Uh, Hoshka is a sophomore. That's a yeah. benefit for the future. Uh, Hatch is a sophomore. Oh, that's a shame for you. Um, Lonergan and Maddox. I'm sorry, I'm doing Maddox double. Is Maddox is a sophomore and Lonergan's a senior. Yeah. Mm, you're kind of fitting the mold we've had a lot on this show. A lot of seniors, but mostly underclassmen leading the way statistically. Absolutely, uh, I, I think. Um, you know, after last year's team, when this senior group were juniors uh, and the sophomores were freshmen, 
I think they learned a lot from the struggles of being a 500 team. Yeah. Uh, and just impressed with what they've been able to do this year with uh, enhancing our process and, and, and going out and uh, really changing the start of uh, what looked like it was going to be a dismal season uh, or something similar to last year. Um, they've really turned the corner. Um, and then when the seniors graduate, the young guys can say we were a part of that process of turning the corner yeah. and we have two more years to be the leaders. Um, you, when you schedule with that kind of, well, I mean, I should say when you're recruiting right now, are you worried about that kind of junior gap or is this kind of a blessing in disguise? Maybe kind of forces that underclassmen group to kind of step up. The only thing that worries me is, um, you know, who's ready to be a leader. Yeah. Uh, I know that some guys uh, as sophomores can't possibly see themselves taking on that leadership role a year from now mm -hmm. uh, with uh, no seniors ahead of them. Uh, and that's a big responsibility. Um, my concern there is, uh, okay, who is, uh, who, who's worthy uh, of the title captain and are they mature enough to handle what, what that, what that entails? Um, that's my only worry. The, the, you know, that, that stuff I think will come with the trials um, uh, and the experience of failing. Um, you can only get better from, from, from those type of things. Um, but uh, I'm not worried about the gap. Uh, I'm actually excited about it because uh, the sophomores are contributing right now. Yeah. Uh, so that's not going to change. It's actually going to get better. They are battle-tested as young guys. They're battle-tested as underclassmen. Uh, and the freshmen are right behind them. We have a couple of freshmen that have been getting a lot of experience. Um, and so uh, I'm excited about the future, but I'm not done. I'm not done with this one yet. <laughs> you are a West region team in the South region. Uh, you are from the central region. You're basically, you know, a hodgepodge uh, in some senses. Uh, how much are you paying attention? To what else is going on in that South region? I mean, considering the fact that we're talking Colorado Springs to Newport News, Virginia, um, and how much are you paying attention? Uh, well, we'll start there. How much are you paying attention to what this whole South region really looks like? Um, you know, I really, uh, I really have a, a lot of tunnel vision when it comes to basketball on my team. Um, I focus mostly on, uh, how to solve our problems. Sure. Um, uh, I'm not cut off from the world completely. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't visit the website to see who's doing what that often, unless <laughs> it's in the conference. Um, you know, but uh, I, I've known since taking the job in 2006, being an independent in, in that first year, um, it's tough to get the at-large yeah. uh, and you win so many uh, in-region games. And I think that's pretty much where I stop when it comes to uh, looking at uh, uh, other regions and what, what what this region is doing and what that region is doing. I'll take a look and if it's someone non-conference that we're playing who's making noise in that region for sure. Um, but uh I like to know who we're, who we're coming up against and what their region looks like and how strong it is. But uh, I have a very narrow focus when it comes to that stuff. However, you were at Monmouth. You're a Monmouth grad. You uh, had a pretty good career there as a player. Not too bad as an assistant coach either. How much are you looking back at what Monmouth's doing and what, what the rest of that region is doing? I'm actually pretty glued to Monmouth right now simply <laughs> because uh, an old club teammate of mine is the head coach, King Rice. Uh, nice. I went to high school in upstate New York, as did he, and we played on the same club team. Uh, really impressed with uh, the upsets that he had in the beginning of the year and a lot of the uh, media coverage with uh, the bench. In fact, I used some of uh, 
the news coverage on the bench and their support uh, with their bench antics uh, to, to kind of motivate my team in, in terms of being great teammates. Um, it's exciting to see King really put my alma mater out there in the public light in a positive way. Um, by the way, if you want to, you can point your team also to a D3 team who was doing this a couple of years ago out of the state of Maine. I think it was Colby. Um, mm-hmm. they, you know, mom was getting all this attention. I'm thinking, oh, come on. There was a D3 guys who had these bright ideas one time. Uh, but, uh, where are you? Fr- I didn't read. Where are you from in upstate New York? I went to Liverpool high school. Okay. Where is that? That's, uh, neighboring Syracuse. Okay. Don't throw from Syracuse. Wow. You, you, you certainly have been around you assistant coach time and, and Brown out in Rhode Island. Uh, yep. you spent time in, you, you've seen the country. Have you not, sir? Yeah, and I also grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. So, uh, oh, well, that, you, you, wow, uh, military family? No, you would think so. My yeah. father, my father got out of the military before I was born. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've seen uh, quite a few different time zones. That seems like it fits the. Uh, it you can take the man out of the military, but not the military out of the man. He still wants to move around just a little bit. Uh, yeah, certainly not afraid of the change. Coach, uh, per schedule, got to throw this in there. If you ever want a trip to Las Vegas, there's a lovely basketball tournament that takes place between Christmas and New Year's uh, at the South Point Arena. You know, a little one called the D3Hoops.com Classic. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, if you ever want to make the trip, we'd love to see you. We've, we're no stranger to it. We've oh, been there twice. No, I know. <laughs> I, I'm just being shameless. as ever. Yeah. No, Hey, that's okay. We love it. It's a great experience. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I know you want to start breaking down tapes for a game that's in two weeks. Um, do me a favor when you see Pat Cunningham tell him I said hi I know I'll see him in Salem and I had a wonderful trip to San Antonio but give him a little hard time for me Uh, in the meantime I always give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in this is a time of year where you need to play your best basketball and finish strong Um, everything you've done in the past good or bad doesn't matter it's uh, for us a two game season so we're looking forward to it well coach I appreciate you coming on like I said no pressure I just would love to see the committee have to find a place to send you, which would be a lot of fun to see them break up the bracket to do it. So um, would my athletic directors. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. By the way, you must rank or roll in the frequent flyer miles. You must be able to take a free trip every year. Uh, no, they're they're bumping uh, up. Yeah, the, uh, they're bumping up the price of free tickets. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're right on that point. Well, coach, thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate you sure, taking the Dave. time. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. Sounds good. You take care, Dave. Thank you. Andy Partey joining us here on Hoopsville. Uh, we, you know what? I'm not even going to take a break. Uh, I know Coach is there. Coach, if you want, you're welcome to just hang up on me. I'm not going to take it personally. Um, I'm going to keep the show rolling here since we got just about uh, 10 minutes left uh, at the most. Going to get going um, to answer any of your questions you might have. But congratulations again to Colorado College. Despite the tough finish here, they are in the mix in that SCAC. And honestly, they can make it interesting should they – should they win? They really could make it really interesting should they win. I was talking about that on the boards, uh, the possibility of them getting into the at-large scenario, or not the at-large, but the automatic bid and what that would do to the committee uh, and what they would have to do. I think it's an all. I, I, I personally love it. Uh, anyway, so we, if you got questions, fire them at us, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on Twitter. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. That's how you can get a hold of us. Um, you know, don't, don't, be, uh, don't be shy, as it were. Uh, we want to hear from you um, as soon as you can. So uh, get to us uh, as, as soon as you can. Um, let's see. So obviously second regional rankings will be coming out this week. Um, uh, find out a way to uh, 
dedicate some time to look at those because they're going to give us a real good sense of what's going on uh, uh, this time this week. Now that their results versus regionally ranked opponents is in there and all that other stuff, it's going to be uh, just a little bit more interesting. So, um, you know, find out uh, what you wanted. You know, what, send us questions. Is what I'm really trying to get at. Um, let us know what you're thinking, and we'll try and certainly try and help you out. Uh, gather what's going on uh, with those. But something to consider with this is that, you know, we talk about hosting. We talk about at-large opportunities for some of these regions. I think the South being an example of that, there's a lot of losses. And with that many losses, I don't think there's that many at-large bids. Um, on the flip side of that, a team like a Lancaster Bible, a lot of wins, not a lot of lo- no losses. If they're in an at-large situation, still might not get in. This this dichotomy between the strength of schedule and stuff is is fascinating stuff. A team like North Central beating Elmhurst this weekend is huge for their resume. If they had lost to Elmhurst, they're talking about nine losses probably. As an at-large team, maybe eight. Probably not getting in. Now they've made the effort to go in there with, you know, last one last loss, a significant win over a regionally ranked opponent. Um, considering some of their other wins um, aren't looking as great, some of their other losses aren't looking so great. Uh, their game against Mount Union's losing some luster. Their game against Chicago at one point has lost its luster. Chicago certainly had a better weekend. Um and so it's ever-changing. You know, some people are like, oh, my gosh, you know, is my team going to make the tournament? Between now and when we select teams in two weeks, so much can change, um, including the rankings are going to constantly change. Um, that being said, you can certainly give our best guesstimate, and that's why we uh, welcome your questions, should you have any. Um, if you got any questions, make sure you uh, email us. Uh, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Um, you can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, etc. We also have a YouTube chat page, by the way. I see a couple bozos in there right now. We're just going to get rid of. Um, we don't work under the Say My Name category here on YouTube uh, in, in this show. So, um, again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville, D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, just got word now that our embed for the show is apparently not on the show page which is weird so I'm glad all of you are watching I just realized something went wrong with our embed not sure what happened I just noticed it I apologize nobody listen problem there if there's issues folks you got to let me know about them I see what the problem was Hit and save changes now, and that'll appear. No wonder our numbers might have been a little lower than I expected them to be. But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> jeez. Well, I apologize to all of you out there. I'm uh, three hours and uh, two hours and 25 minutes, 55 minutes into the show, and I just found out Darm Link wasn't right on the, sh- on the show page. But you got to somehow listen to the show, and I, I thank you for tuning in somehow. I-, I Props to everybody who found a way to watch us. I got to give you credit. Um, that's it. I, I I basically don't have anything else unless you guys have questions. 
Um, you know, we got a big week ahead. We got some big games ahead. We have top 25 coming out. Don't see any changes in number one, but certainly there's going to be some changes in the rest of the top 25s on both the men's and women's sides due to the number of losses that took place and certainly some other losses out there as well. Um, obviously, we'll have major changes in the regional rankings at the same time for the same reason. Also, on top of the fact that the results versus regionally ranked opponents will play a major factor uh, as well. So uh, there's a lot to kind of wrap our minds around, as it were, um, and there's a lot to figure out. We still have two weeks left. Let me go to the Hoops Hill fundraiser. We just got a uh, donation. I want to thank whoever that was. Um, well, it looks like it might have put us at the 40% mark. Double-checking, $85. I want to thank... Uh, person who donated that uh some of that i think is going towards the shipment of the t-shirt so somebody signed up uh for the campaign uh t-shirt and i uh, certainly want to thank them for doing that um we're just under three thousand dollars we're looking for seventy five hundred dollars we would like your help to do that so please uh if you get the opportunity uh, help us out we have we sent out a link earlier we'll send out more we're going to push start pushing this really hard now and we don't have to just hit the goal. We can exceed the goal. We've got 14 days left. So, so you know, this selection show that night is our is our deadline. Um, we want to exceed that number. We want to be able to go out to California, see games in the Skyac, or go out to the Northwest and see games. But we just can't afford it on our own. And, and, yeah, we're asking you to help us do that because we will provide the opportunity to, to – to report on these student athletes and these teams the way they deserve to be covered. Um, you know, advertising don't have much. We have been told by fans. We've been told by coaches. We want to help you. And so we ask you to help us. And this is how we're doing it. Uh, we also get to upgrade equipment. We get to make things look pretty. Um, and we obviously do other things. We travel. We travel quite a bit. Um, we did, uh, we've done, let's see, um, counting, well, obviously, we have the Hoopsville Classic, but we went to Rochester. We've gone to San Antonio. Uh, I did a local trip this week. I, again, I said at the beginning of the show, kicking myself for not looking at the schedule more carefully. Not that I didn't mind going to see Franklin Marshall, Johns Hopkins, and going up to see CNU play at York, but I was debating about going to see Marietta play John Carroll. The game's about five, five and a half hours from my house. For me, I love to drive. That's not that big a deal, but I figured I don't want to go out there just for one game and come back. That's a little bit of that's a little bit too much. Did not realize that Worcester and Wittenberg were playing a seven o'clock game. I'm so used to the uh, games out there all being played at three. If I had spotted that, I would have headed out there, caught those two sets of games, and come back this morning, and it would have been a little bit different. But uh, it's what happens sometimes when you're trying to put schedule. This weekend, I wasn't supposed to be traveling in the first place. Uh, it just kind of fell in my lap. So that's what happens sometimes. Let's give you some schedule updates. So Thursday, next Thursday, next Sunday, the following Thursday, we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, usually we go two hours. Clearly we're going to boost that just a little bit. Uh, we went three hours tonight. I don't want to pair off and not do three hours necessarily, but we'll work on doing a little bit extra, get an extra regional reporters in there, maybe get an extra coach into the show uh, every night. Um, you should probably be looking at me and not our fan raising page. Um, on top of that, um, we uh, will we'll then, two weeks from tonight, be on the air. About 6 o'clock is when we went on last year, probably about the same time this year. Talk about who's in, any of the surprises, we'll, and we'll start making our selections at some point in that show. The matchups are the next day. The brackets are announced on Monday the 29th. It's a leap day this year. 
Uh, don't know the schedule as of yet. Don't know if my participation will be the same as last year. Uh, that will dictate our show just a little bit, but we'll be doing a show on Monday as well. And then we have the NCAA tournament the rest of the way. Um, that's going to wrap it up. I want to thank our guests uh, for appearing um, and taking the time to appear on the show from uh, from Marywood. Uh, Coach uh, Macaco for uh, for joining us. Machaco, I should say, for joining us from Greenville. It was uh, Coach uh, Barber. And a wonderful conversation with him. St. Thomas's women's basketball coach, uh, Ruth Sin, joined us uh, on the show as well. Rusty Egan, WPISID and, and Northeast Regional Reporter. Thank you, Rusty, for taking the time to join us. Uh, Regis's women's basketball coach, uh, thank you for coming on the show as well. I had a wonderful conversation uh, with uh, Angela Fe and then obviously Colorado College's Andy Partee joining us on Skype today as well. I uh, also want to thank all of their sports information directors who are invaluable in their help. Uh, especially the few mistakes I made this week. I apparently screwed up some names, uh, but I want to thank all of them for their assistance uh, as well. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. I can tell you we're going to try and preview the, the NESCAC tournament just a little bit since it's the first one that gets going. Uh, we'll have a chance, and some of the top teams in the country will be participating. We're going to try and get a little bit of an inside preview on that. We're also already working on our show list for guests. We'll primarily focused on the Mid-Atlantic, the East the Great Lakes in this and the uh, West regions, but we may throw in another region as well. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also um, on um, Instagram now as well, um, and we would love your support uh, there. Uh, you know, follow us. That's what we're trying to, we're trying to figure out the whole, f- the picture, you know, thing on Instagram as part of our latest effort. Uh, as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We're going to be back here Thursday evening, as we said, um, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Good night, and we'll see you back here on Thursday. Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. want to thank our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the National Basketball Coaches Coaches Association, and of course, the City of Salem, who are the uh, sponsors of our hotline. City of Salem, the men's basketball championship weekend. We played in Salem, Virginia for the 20th straight season. They'll hand out their 19th NCAA title, but the 20th Final Four will take place in Salem. We hope you'll visit the Roanoke Valley and enjoy some good Division Three basketball. And if you do go, let us know and, and uh, track us down. Love to say hi. Good night. We'll see you back here on Thursday. <laughs>